and gentlemen, we are back. It is College Football Tailgate. Today is Monday, November 29th, 2021. I'm your host, Will Chambers. With me as always, Tyler Walji. Hello, mate. No producer Smitty today. Hello, governor. He's out again. Uh, he's with his... He's got a new dog. We talk a lot about... Uh, Layla Jones here, the yes. Woos Media Studio, your yes. dog. Our mascot. Smitty got a new dog. I believe his name is Frank. Mm, is that Frank, right? Frank the Tank. Frank. So I'm excited to meet Frank. Shout out Frank. No, no, Shout it's, out uh, it's Jack. Jack. Oh, and, and actually, I fucked that up. No, it's, Shout out it, Jack. Well, it's just why it's, it's a generic it four-letter like name. name. But but uh, he, he's kind of a slower dog. And so mm. have you ever seen the movie Simple Jack with uh, Ben Stiller? <laughs> Well, that's not a real movie, but I've seen the movie that Simple Jack is. Well, we call him Simple Jack. Yeah, what Simple is Simple Jack? Simple Jack's a movie within a movie, right? Yeah, it's Inception. It's, it's it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, Tropical Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Tro- oh, but there's your sequel. Tropical Thunder. Tropical <laughs> Thunder. Tyler. It will. We have so much to talk about. This show is going to be nuts, by the way. Hell, hell, the Michigan, the champions of oh, the world. They did it. Okay, first of all, yes, we can't even lead with the fact that my Michigan Wolverines finally beat Ohio State. Uh, we can't? Well, okay, we, we have, have to. First of all, we're going to talk everything. We got okay. Rivalry Week. We're, we have uh, some fun segments. We're doing Real or Fake. We got Conspiracy Corner. We're doing Heisman Predictions. Best bets for Championship Week. Yes. But we have to lead this open... Uh, lead the show with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln. Lincoln Riley goes to USC. Yesterday was insane. This whole weekend was insane. We had one of the craziest college football Saturdays on on Rivalry Week. It was insane. Uh, incredible games, upsets, and then it almost got completely outdone yesterday on Sunday. Lincoln Riley, everyone was saying there were predictions. He's going to LSU. He's staying put. He's not going anywhere. Nobody in the world thought he would take the Southern Cal job. He leaves goes to USC. This is a seismic shift in college football. I thought he was going to go to LSU. And every coach, whenever they say they're definitely not going to a college, it's like, yeah, that's what Nick Saban said. That's what they all said. And I thought it was going to maybe be LSU. And then out of nowhere, USC. But here's the thing. I think we got to give USC some credit for keeping this under the radar and making sure this didn't get out, didn't make it become a story, and then getting this huge hire. I mean, there's a lot of places to take this conversation, but I was just so impressed with USC. I think they really got... I mean, there were only a few names in in the world who they could have brought in and made every USC fan happy or most USC fans happy. And that was certainly one of the names. Yeah, for sure. Because he seemed like an ungettable, right? He seemed like right. on that level of Nick Saban, you know, uh, Dabo, whatever, like that, that level of coach. And it's a complete coup. And you're right. Uh, he said, I'm not taking a job at LSU. He's spoken like a lawyer right. in the interview after the Bedlam game. We're going to talk about the Bedlam game. Oklahoma loses. He's all, so, you know, sullen and sad. And now, you know, we know why more than just the loss. And the a reporter goes, hey, what about all the coaching rumors? And he goes, let me cut you off. I'm not going to be the next head coach right. at LSU. <laughs> I mean, chess move, like brilliant move. And look, if first of all, if you're an Oklahoma fan right now, I'm sorry. This is it's, it's brutal. He didn't handle this in a super professional way. You could mm-hmm. say a lot of angry and rightfully so angry Oklahoma fans. But strictly from Lincoln Riley's standpoint, you know, I mean, this is one. This is one of the biggest moves from one school to another. I think in college football history, there's been times when Nick Saban coming from the NFL back to Alabama is seismic. But if you're talking about a coach going from one school to the other, I don't know. There's a bigger one than this. I don't, I mean, I haven't thought about that historically. This is certainly up there. It's huge. Well, 
I remember when Lane Kiffin left Tennessee for USC, it was a big deal. Right. And that's not even close to the level of Lincoln Riley doing this. Size, I mean... How, how, how much of a big deal, how big a deal was Steve Spurrier when he's moving around down there in the SEC? Was it kind of... Uh, that was, was that a, the same I, thing? Didn't he go NFL as well before he went back to... I think to, you might be right Because he, yeah. he went from somewhere to Florida. Well, look, look, I, I, I think that we would be hard-pressed to go back in history and find one that absolutely overshadows this. I mean, he's yeah. such a good coach. And here's the thing about Lincoln Riley. He's young he's exactly what every ad and nfl front office wants which is an innovative offensive coach that's like the future of things and you know what i i actually i have mixed emotions about this because i'm a pac-12 guy i think the pac-12 has been embarrassing for a long time and this alone will revitalize the Pac-12. Absolutely. This is going to this is going to bring it back and I couldn't be happier for the Pac-12 and I couldn't be more pissed off that it's happening in the same division as my CU Buffs. Yeah, I mean so look, that's going to be tough. If you're in the Pac-12 South then uh en- enjoy these years that you've had with USC oh, being boy. bad because you're right. This legitimizes the Pac-12. No, it doesn't make them the SEC or the Big 10 or the Big 12 even for that matter. I don't think mm-hmm. that the Pac-12 is is like a true deep college football conference like you have in the other majors, right? But what? he can win at USC and he can win big. But is this going to be the future? Are we going to see this as a domino where other coaches who may not want to play in the SEC and that gauntlet week in, week out, and a lot of people are giving Lincoln Riley shit. Oh, scared of the SEC. They want to play big boy football. It's like, if I got paid... The highest amount of anyone in college football to go to L.A. and avoid playing that that schedule. And and by the way, most SEC teams we just saw with Florida have such a short leash. They're all revolving doors. We all know this. It's all smiles and handshakes when you get there. And after your first six and six season, it's like, okay, it's the, it's the hot seat. So I don't blame them at all for not going to LSU. That is a revolving door. And it's going to take a lot for the next coach there to stay for a long time. That's not a That's not a school where you stay for a long time. And back to OU, that's why I thought that Lincoln wouldn't leave OU because the Sooners have proven they're going to give you time. Yep. They're not going to rush you out of town. It is the kind of program it's that, that isn't a revolving door like no, LSU. this is their first coaching search since 1998. Exactly. And I kind of thought it was weird. Now, I don't know the politics at OU, but I thought it was strange. And again, I don't know how the friendships or what it's like behind, behind closed doors, but... The fact that Bob Stoops... Whoa, 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 wait. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Continue your point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, continue. The fact that Bob Stoops fought for Lincoln Riley, got him the job, Lincoln Riley took over one of the most prestigious heralded programs in the history of college football. They gave a kid, an unproven kid, this program... And a few years later, he's just out the door. That, to me, is what is kind of doesn't sit well with me for all this. I had to go through the Mel Tucker stuff with CU. And I know most of our national fans are like, dude, shut up with that. No one cares about CU. I get that. But I'm just saying I I, I empathize with OU fans because I went through this myself. And he didn't do it the right way, in my opinion. But at the end of the day... I think if you're going to be rational about this and look at it objectively, you have to play this game. If it were you or your son or daughter... And they got this opportunity to make this much more money and they would just have to, you know, go somewhere else to 
most people would say yes to that. So the fact that for he sure. said yes and took it, it's okay. I don't love how he did it, but totally. And look, yeah. this is going to hurt for Oklahoma. Uh, already, he had he was putting together one of the best classes in Oklahoma football right. history. Already, we've got like four or five guys that have decommitted. Right, four four and five star uh, caliber players. One of them is a quarterback. A couple of those guys are from California. Everyone is fully expecting them to jump on the train at USC. Who knows? He may be able to get some players on Oklahoma's roster right now to transfer to USC to play with them. Now with the new transfer rules, yeah. they can do that immediately. This is a whole new aspect to coaches moving around starting this year is with that instant transfer rule. If coaches move up or move to a different job, they can take players with them if the players want to go. You know, this this is tough for Oklahoma. It's right before they move to the SEC. There's already rumors that the, you know, I know they're not supposed to join the SEC until 2025, but there's already been rumors swirling just like with the playoff expansion, they're trying to speed it up. Right. The SEC and the Big 12 are working towards potentially a buyout to get uh, Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC as soon as possible. You know, look, I, I think you're right. Say what you want about, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley being a chicken here, being afraid of the SEC. People were saying he was never on board. He didn't want Oklahoma to move to the SEC. Well, they, I heard they didn't even consult him about it. Exactly. Which was a mistake. It, we're we're seeing course. this be a mistake. And I think for a long time, owners of teams, again, both in the NFL and college football, or, or I guess it would be ADs in college football, had so much power that now recently players are getting more power, coaches are getting more power. Yep. As you mentioned, a lot of this is due to the transfer rule. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing, the transfer rule? Because yeah, I think let them move once. I'm I, fine with I, it. I think it's awesome. It'll, it'll, it all will, you know, uh, water finds its level, as they say. You know what I mean? It, mm. Everything will, will become even again. I know it's not good for all players or all teams or whatever, but ultimately, I think it's a positive thing. But, I mean, this is just so, you know, look, you, you, you mentioned it, and I think you're totally right. If you could get every SEC coach on a lie detector machine, and one that actually worked. I know lie detector machines aren't <laughs> admissible in court or whatever. Do you but, think you could beat one? Uh, yeah, I'm a full-on sociopath. Um, <laughs> no, I, don't, I probably couldn't. Uh-oh. Sorry. What happened? No, a technical, mic, technical error. My, there my, we my go. My mic cut out there. Yeah. Um, look, I think if you got every SEC head coach, probably except for like Nick Saban and maybe uh, Kirby Smart, if you said, listen, you could take – you don't even have to move teams. If you could move your team to the Pac-12 right now, I think they'd all do it. Yeah. And it's not because they're scared of the SEC schedule. Uh, uh, you know, it's because – the opportunity is better in the Pac-12. Look, I know that the playoff is expanding and that we fully expect, you know, three, four, when the playoff expands to 12 teams, we're probably going to get three or four SEC teams every year, but it looks better for recruiting. It looks better for your personal record. If you're making the playoff going 11-1 and or 12-0 and in the Pac-12, then going 8-4 and in the SEC and still making the playoff. Well, it, and, and the Pac-12 gets respect. Look at Oregon this year. Yep. I mean, Oregon, now they'd beat Ohio State. That kind of helped things. For sure. But it's not like the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect when they have a good team. I think actually the committee, they're like, hey, Pac-12, you guys want to help us out? Like, We'll put you in if you give us a reason to put one of you in. So yep. I don't blame Lincoln Riley at all for this. Yeah, and we talked about, we've said this in previous shows, about why Southern Cal is one of the best jobs in football. It's the access to talent. The, the, the area of Southern California and the football talent there is absurd. It's, it's on the same level of Texas and Florida as far as those are the top three states in high school football recruiting talent. And recently we've seen you, things are so bad at USC that all the best players in California are not staying in California. They're going elsewhere. They're going to Oregon. They're going to Oklahoma. They're going to Ohio State, going to Alabama, right? I mean, look, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, 
and uh, uh, who was the other one? I don't know, another big like Heisman level player, all from California. And those wow. guys go to other schools, right? The the talent there is going to be insane for Lincoln Riley. It it will be easier for him to get top level classes. And if he can, I mean, truly, if he can just get a good offensive line. They're going to dominate the Pac-12. He's yeah. going to mop up the Pac-12. And I think it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there was a tweet out today, and this is not confirmed. Obviously, this is people can put whatever they want on Twitter, but it was gaining a lot of traction about the contract, part of the reason why he went to USC. And who knows if we'll ever find the real details because USC is a private school. They don't have to divulge that stuff. But the rumor is that it was 10 years, $110 million, so $11 million per. That would make him the highest paid coach college football instantly, right? Um. Then uh, USC had to buy both of his houses in Norman for $500,000 over asking price. So that's a million-dollar bonus right there. Free access, unlimited access to the USC private plane, and they had to buy him a, like a $6 million house in Los Angeles. So that's like a pretty good deal for leaving Norman, Oklahoma. I get that you know, uh, it's, it's a shitty thing to do when there's lots of rumors about how he handled the leaving, when the players found out, when the recruits found out, you know, uh, who he told when that look really bad for him. But five years from now, if he's got a national title at Southern Cal, no one's going to give a shit. We anymore. forget these things so yes. fast. Everyone gets all pissed off. And unless you are the fan base, but you know, I'm yep. sure OU fans are going to be complaining about this for a while, unless they turn it around. I yep. mean, winning solves everything. Yeah. And so it's a premier some, job. It is. Oklahoma is one of the top jobs in the country. Of it course. Absolutely. And, and you right. know, it, it, it happened at a time where a lot of other coaches already picked their jobs. We're going to talk about that. We're doing the coaching carousel, so we'll get to that. Replacements and everything. But that's, that's the top job available right now. I got a couple headlines. Okay. Riley Smiley with his $11 million a year deal. Mm, you can do better. Okay. Here's this one. OU fans drinking after Lincoln leaves for LA. Now that I like. Okay. That's better. Drinking okay. after Lincoln. Mm -hmm. That's good. That could be a song. It'd be a country song. That's all I got. I did it on the fly. I'm working on the fly here. Look, I think if you hurry up offense. If he brings Southern Cal back to what it was under like Pete Carroll, that's good. That brings balance back to college football. It's better when the when the Pac twelve has a dominant team that, that's on that playoff level. And we just haven't seen it. We've seen Oregon be there a little bit off and on. Washington made it one year, but you know, as much as I hated Southern Cal back in those days, and I'm sure I'll hate them when they're good again, um, it's good for college football that Southern Cal is back on that level, and and we have more competition for these playoff spots. Right. I think it's a good thing. You know, there are some questions. Look, we're all kind of already chalking it in uh, as Lincoln Riley's going to do great there. He's going to win a lot of games. We haven't seen him take over a program that is having big issues. Uh, Southern Cal, I think, went four and eight or five and seven this year so this will be the first time we, he's had to he'll have to rebuild you know who is he going to hire it sounds like he's bringing alex grinch the defensive coordinator from oklahoma with him and a lot of that staff You're is going to be a lot of the main one. staff even still you said it yeah, i think it's completely realistic to expect a pac-12 championship game next year it's going to be a good thing for the pac-12 yep exciting it, stuff spencer rattler announced he's uh transferring today we don't know where we don't know if he's, he's going to usc <laughs> i don't know i actually think that he might uh, that you know Potentially, uh, uh, you know, we, we could see Caleb Williams transfer over there with oh, Lincoln Riley. Wow. Who knows? He's already getting the – I think he'll get the five-star quarterback to go with him. I think it could be really good. But we're going to get into the coaching carousel stuff. We're going to talk about Billy Napier going to Florida, mm -hmm. all of that next. But, Tyler, can we finally get back to the game? Michigan beat uh, Ohio State. Finally. Uh, 
Finally. I can't. I know not everyone out there is a Michigan fan, but I can't tell you how amazing it feels for me personally. Um, I still, I, I know I picked Ohio State in that game, and going into it, I still think all the signs were in Ohio State's favor. They dominated Purdue and Michigan State the weeks before that. They looked so good. And for Michigan to go in there and completely out physical, totally, com- they dominated them on the line of scrimmage, both sides. I know that the that Ohio State did a lot of great things in the passing game. I mean, Ohio State's wide receivers are insane; they're so good. But for them to, I mean, completely dominate on the line of scrimmage, you know, they had 300 yards rushing, six six touchdowns rushing, and they allowed zero tackles for loss on the yeah. offensive side of the football. Seven yards per carry. That's dominance. And then you look at the other side, Travion Henderson, who I think is one of the best running backs in the whole country. He had one yard that went for 28 yards and the rest of the game, 16 carries for 46. That's dominance. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, how good the Ohio State receivers are. Michigan was never going to be able to contain those guys, but they limited the big plays and there were no big touchdown plays. You know, going in, the only way that Michigan was going to win this game was to force Ohio State to kick field goals. They did that in the first half. They didn't let them in the end zone. Um, you know, a- everything about this game was great. It's a heated rivalry. It's a snow game. I love a snow game. The snow is falling. You got the, the altercation at halftime in the tunnel. Both the teams are, oh, I love that. are jawing at each other. The on-the-field scuffle, the Ohio State player ripping off, mm-hmm. you know, the Michigan player's uh, helmet after a big play. Like, that's, this rivalry has always been real to me, and I know that people will say Ohio State have been dominating. It wasn't a real rivalry. Ask anyone that's an Ohio well, that's State fan crazy. or a Michigan game, yeah. or a Michigan fan, excuse me, and it's been back. It was so much fun for me. I like I I I couldn't believe it all year long that that Michigan would have a chance and for them to actually do it at home as underdogs and now they're on their way to the Big 10 Championship game. It was incredible as a Michigan. Every Michigan fan out there right now has just been smiling nonstop since Saturday. Can you admit finally that Michigan is one of the elite teams this year. Yes. Okay. Now here, here's the thing: is that I actually thought because about this. up until last week, that that was a laughable statement to you. I thought they were good, but like I, I operated the whole season under the assumption that there's no way we're going to beat Ohio State. You know what I mean? Because that's what I've been conditioned to know. I mean, really, like Urban Meyer <laughs> has kind of ruined my whole college football season because even as Michigan was getting wins this year and being good, they beat Penn State or whatever, you know, the the loss to Michigan State, all those things, I, I still was always operating under the assumption, well, it doesn't matter because they won't beat Ohio State at the end because they never do. It had been nine years since they had done it and it was eight years before that. So, you know, the whole idea of them beating was silly and, and there's nothing worse than like the guy who's like, just a blind fan that just says they're going to win when all the signs were pointing towards Ohio State being better. But you're right. Michigan is an elite team right now. If they take care of business against Iowa, which they should, they'll be in the playoff. Right. And you look at – this is crazy to think. I, I mean, a, a couple weeks ago, this would have been insane to think. And who else might be in the playoff if Georgia beats Alabama on Saturday? Six-and-a-half-point favorites. The six-and-a-half-point favorites. They should, right? But we don't – you know, don't ever count out Alabama right. totally. If if that happens, right, you're going to be looking at Georgia as a one seed, Michigan as a two seed, and they're probably going to be facing Cincinnati or Oklahoma State in that first game. That should be a game where I think Michigan will be favored. I'm certainly not going to guarantee victory or anything like that. There's a real chance Michigan is playing in the national championship <laughs> in in a couple months or in oh six weeks or whatever. Oh my god! I wish I would have got the audio. I'm going to get the audio because That's preseason. Insane. Preseason, I asked you a question. 
Who wins a national championship first? Michigan basketball, Michigan football. And I think you said you put your whole 401k on <laughs> Michigan sure I basketball. Did. I'm sure I did. Well, they had been there recently. Michigan basketball has uh, been good. And so I, I, it's it's incredible to watch just as a fan of this team, like always feeling like, you know, even the win against Ohio State in 2011, that was a year between Jim Tressel and uh, Urban Meyer. So it felt like kind of like a fluke. It felt like we got him on a down year. Michigan's back. Oh, they're Michigan's back, back. Five touchdowns for Hassan Haskins. Yep. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is insane. He had three sacks, 15 quarterback pressures. I read that since uh, pro, pro, pro Football Focus tweeted this, since they started measuring pr- uh, quarterback pressures, that's, that's the record. That's the most in any college wow. football game. He was dominant. You know, Harbaugh gets the monkey off his back, and he talks shit afterwards, which I just love. The rivalry is back. He, I don't know if you saw. He took a shot at Ryan Day in his press conference after. So He didn't his, call him Ryan Knight, did he? No. He oh, that's my line. That's yours. That's he, yeah, that would have been yeah. uh, plagiarism <laughs> if he had taken that from you. No, he said, you know, look, they, they talked about how Ohio State players – talking shit over the years had fueled them for this game and it was a big deal to them and I mentioned it before this game that you know Ryan Day had said in that press conference with Jim Harbaugh one time apparently that uh, they wanted to hang 100 on Michigan they said you better hope the Big Ten has a mercy rule because we're going to hang 100 on you right and so Jim Harbaugh is asked in the post game like you know did all that stuff fuel you and he said yeah lots of people said stuff and classic Jim Harbaugh can't help himself he literally starts the sentence by saying we'll just take the high road and then he doesn't take the high road at all. <laughs> By the end of the sentence, he says, some people you know, are born on third, standing on third and think they hit a triple, which is basically saying, hey, Ryan Day, everyone thinks he's hot shit. He took over a program from Urban Meyer that was already a playoff caliber program, and everyone thinks he's so great. You know, I took over Michigan there five and seven. Now, first of all, I mean, epic burn. Love it. I love that he's talking shit. Don't get... Uh, ahead of yourself. Ryan Day took a team to an national championship game last year. I still think he's a, an elite coach. We'll see what happens as Ohio State goes forward. You know, it is a valid point saying you took over a great program. Let's see you do something else. But kind of sounds exactly like what I've been saying for the last. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You and Jim Harbaugh. Me on the and same Jim. Level. I tell you what, we, we agree on oatmeal. We agree on milk. I agree on milk too. Whole we, milk. We agree on uh, football. I yep. mean, not a whole lot. Me and your 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 favorite head coach. Uh, I love it. I love. I'm glad yeah. that he did it. And look, I, I wonder know, his feeling on pancakes. Oh, uh, I bet he's a true American. He loves pancakes. Yeah, I would think I, so I mean, too. that's got to be I, the case. I mean, I, I'm sure he goes pancakes over crepes all day. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to go pancakes. Right, over he's crepes. a patriot. Yeah. Um, look, it's only one game. I know Ohio State has won nine in a row, and they'll be back, and they'll probably beat Michigan next year. So I'm not going to sit here and say the tide is turning as far as I don't know. The programs. Will. My sister once had a poster that said. A journey of a thousand step or of miles <laughs> starts with one step. That's I mean, there's only one way Something to turn like it that. around. Yeah. But even still, all I know is I'm going to enjoy it this year because it could be ten years before Michigan gets mm-hmm. another. If you're a Michigan fan, enjoy it. If you're an Ohio State fan, Ohio State sucks, and I'm. I, it feels so good to be able to say it. I haven't been able to talk shit to Ohio State fans in a decade. Get it in, and it feels great. Well, so, and you know, Ohio State fan, yeah, basketball is coming up soon. It's like they haven't cared about basketball in a decade. Yeah, Michigan. Now that they Michigan's lost, a football that's school again. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what <laughs> yes, feels good. Is. And they're going to the Big Ten championship game for the first time since the Big Ten championship game has been around. It's great. Love it. Now it wasn't the only rivalry game. It was rivalry weekend. The Iron Bowl was amazing. First of all. Auburn's defense, I mean, I feel so stupid for picking Alabama to cover a 20-point spread. We both did, 
And I'm sorry, Auburn fans. I'm sorry for doubting your defense, especially at home at you Jordan Hare. Bri- you owe Brian Harson an apology. I absolutely do. Look, if they had Bo Nix as their quarterback, they win that game. Yeah. They win that game. Um, the new, the fact that that game got decided with the new overtime rules, where we went to two point conversions, is a tragedy. It's it's a crime. If the NCAA doesn't change that tragedy. rule this That's off a season, word. it is. It's, I like it, it's a crime against humanity, against Not college football. Yeah. Um, I hate those new overtime rules, and the Auburn-Alabama game should never be decided by just dueling two-point conversions. That's stupid. Um, but look, Bama didn't look good. They, they it was ten nothing Auburn after three quarters, and you know, thankfully for if you're a Bama fan, you know they get the ball back with a minute and a half, and they make a great drive to force it into overtime. But Alabama is not. What, what we thought it would be. I don't know. I think I'm getting a lot of value on my Crimson Tide this weekend, plus six and a half. I think this is a... Okay, but wait. First of all, our bet board bet was Moneyline, was it not? Hey, we have we already have one out there. We made a futures bet. It's already placed. Okay. It's already... Will has Georgia. I have Alabama. Pick them. Pick them. However... Well, that's value. We may... Oh, that's the definition <laughs> of value. If you get six points closing value yeah. on every bet you make, you're you'd a be winner. a millionaire yeah. in a couple years. I will yeah. be. Well, your picks lately have been hot, except for our bet board games. Yes. You're on fire, except yep. for everything. You did go 2-0 on the bet board. Yes. That's now 15-10. You know Shout what I Tyler. find very peculiar? Huh. Whenever you have a winning bet board week, <laughs> it leads the show. It's like national news. We hit the alarm. Well, Whenever I have a winning bet board week, it gets mixed into the shuffle. Where what are we? About uh, 25 minutes into the show right now. Just thrown in there like... Uh, Listen, I got, I got to give the people you know, what they want. You know what, you know what it is? I've got a good analogy for all my chefs out there okay will when will wins Mm. his bet board it's always the main ingredient it's the main ingredient of the course whenever i win the bet board it's always the little last thing that says salt to taste yeah you know how they always just add salt to taste just a dash that's that that's how i feel mine is treated when i have winning weeks on well that's a fair point and you're right (laughs) you went two and oh you you got oklahoma state uh, the line that we had them, they didn't. I think by the time it closed, Oklahoma covered by half. But, yeah. but they uh, Oklahoma State wins by four, so you get that one, and you were on Michigan, and you were right yes. about that. And, and that's I, why I'm singing the fight song over here, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're up fifteen ten. You know, and we're going into bowl season. That's a lot to overcome. But let the listeners know what we're doing for bowl season because it's going to get juicy with the. We're bit board. forcing if there's any game that we're not consensus on the same side when it comes to bowl season we're going to force a bet board we're, pick. We're, so yeah we each have to force a pick because sometimes right. we come in and we have leans or we have passes yep passes aren't allowed yep. leans aren't allowed you have to come in we each have to come in with a pick for every bowl game that's right so if we agree boom chalk it up it's a consensus pick but every one we even disagree with a little bit it'll, it'll go on the bed board so it'll be a lot f- a lot of fun this I love season it. but you're right yeah. you, you went two and oh big weekend for tyler you're 15 and 10 big lead you're the big winner. All the all the accolades. Give it to him right now. Lay it on him. But look, you're right. I have I've got good value in my Georgia pick against Alabama. But right now, you're right. That maybe the value pick is Alabama plus six and oh, a half oh, Will. for the SC oh, championship Will. game. I'm licking my chops. But I don't know. I, I mean, how good I know Alabama is good and they get they get the benefit of the doubt because they're Alabama and rightfully so. It's Nick Saban, it's Alabama. They should get the benefit of the doubt. But how good are they this year? Well, the, what's the, their the, best win? Is it uh, their best win right now? Is Ole about. Miss? That's not what it's about. And you're right; they don't have the resume. They don't have. They don't the classic resume, and, and it's not fair. I, I'll admit it right now. My right. evaluation of Alabama: if they were wearing Notre Dame's jerseys, yep. I wouldn't be looking at them the same. 
but I give Alabama and Nick Saban the benefit of the doubt. You give them a week to prepare for, for Georgia. Sure. And here's the thing. Just a little general handicapping and, and betting tip for anyone out there. If you fade the public consensus when the public consensus is overwhelmingly strong on one side, you're going to make money. You're going to make money. Yeah. And right now, if you walk into any bar in America, you walk into any Target in America, you walk into any golf course in America, even though it's getting a little chilly, most people who watch college football will say, oh, we got a all-time you know, elite Georgia team. How about that defense? And Alabama yep. sucks this year. Alabama's yep. not Alabama. Very so true. The easy side to bet here is clearly Georgia. And most people aren't sensitive about is it four and a half, five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half. And if it's seven and a half, most people just buy the half point to seven or buy yep. take the alternate line at six and a half. I think we have serious value with Alabama this weekend for no other reason than it's such an overwhelmingly non public play. And I got Alabama. Like it's, I feel so good betting on Alabama. And if I lose that bet, Alabama plus six and a half, I will walk away feeling completely okay. I right. won't feel stupid. Because it was the feel, smart bet. It, uh, well, I, I think so. Yeah. And look, you're right. We, we, Nick Saban and Alabama do deserve the benefit of the doubt because they've proven us wrong. They've proven people wrong time and time again. But there is something different about this year because, look, the, like I said, their best win is Ole Miss or Arkansas. And if you told me before the year, okay, well... They barely beat Florida, LSU, and Auburn. You might have been like, that's not so bad. But now that we know what Florida is this year, what LSU is this year, an Auburn team that doesn't have their starting quarterback, that's this has troubled me. Look, I don't know that the fact that they couldn't score on Auburn's defense and they struggled to score against teams like Florida and LSU, how are they going to score on Georgia? And maybe we're all just overrating Georgia because Georgia hasn't really played anyone that well or that good this year either. Well, but Georgia's also killed everyone they exactly. played. And they beat Clemson early in the season. Yep. So that's the thing is when you go back, it makes it easy. You can build a case for Georgia because they've got the record and the and the scores to prove it. Yeah. My whole side of the handicap here really doesn't have much to do with Georgia. I will admit, Georgia's the best team in the country. Yep. I will admit, they're the most talented team in the country and their coaching staff is one of the best in the country. I know all of that. I'm just saying, I think Alabama's being overlooked in this situation. And I right. think there's... And by the way, folks, there's not... The line is never off by two, three, four points. That's that's crazy to think. So, I mean, hmm. the, 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 the most you can... A line is usually off is, you know, a few points. So, the, it's pretty smart. The market is pretty smart. Otherwise, it wouldn't win all the time. Now, here's a, here's a fun thing to do. To And I know we're kind of getting into the Alabama-Georgia thing, but, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. One thing that I, I've heard other shows do and that I think is a good indicator of the right side, do the two-point swing. Add two points to either side and see if it sounds logical or, yeah, I could see that, or it's just so egregious that it's bad. So if we see Alabama as eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, right. that to me sounds crazy. That Wait a minute, Alabama's eight-and-a-half-point dogs? No one would take that. However, if we move it two, point, two, and a half, uh, two points the other way, and it's now Georgia minus four and a half. That doesn't seem all that crazy to me on a neutral right. field. So that to me is how you can decide, do I have the good side of a handicap bet? Let's just move it two points and say, does it make sense? Does that seem logical or is it crazy? And to me, Alabama plus eight and a half seems, seems insane. Yeah. Four and a half seems, yeah, I could still see that. So Man, well, they were so close to getting beat by Auburn. If you're an Auburn fan, I feel for you. You know, you're at home, you're dominating them on defense, it's 10 nothing, and all of a sudden you give up that late touchdown drive, you know, at the very end of the game. It was brutal. They kept cutting to you know shots of fans in the stadium in overtime and at the end. And these poor Auburn fans, man, you know, it, 
playing at Jordan Hare Stadium is a super tough place. Oh yeah, to play and I give Auburn a solid offense next year and a quarterback, and that team is going to be really good because their defense, their run game, incredible. It was a great game. Love the Iron Bowl. I think Nick Saban is now five and seven. At Auburn, since he's uh, either been with Alabama or Lifetime, not sure. But I think I saw that stat. Is five he, and seven? I believe That's I, it. Well, look, I, I, I'm going off memory from watching the game, but I believe I saw a graphic during the game that said Nick Saban is four and seven at Jordan Hare Stadium. Interesting. Against Auburn, yeah. So again, you'll have to fact check me on that one. You'll have to Google that one. Oh, he's, you're right. He's he entered the day three and seven. He's now four and seven. Oh, so it is four and seven now. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I because you're right. He was at LSU before right. that, but even still, only three wins since you know in that time. Isn't or that four crazy? now. That is crazy, and we should have taken that you know more into account right. last I, week. I think when we, we overlooked that, that game. Yeah, but it was almost a clean sweep for the underdogs in the big three rivalry games because Bedlam happened. You know, look, we now know where. Lincoln Rowley's head was at. I think at that point during the game, he probably had a good idea where he was going already, or he knew things were in the work, are in the works. His agent is cutting deals, but to me, Oklahoma State's offense impressed me the most. I know they have a good defense. Okay, I, I, before we get into Oklahoma State, I have to rewind, and you have to admit that you were completely wrong about one thing. Yes, Mike Gundy getting rid of the mullet was actually a good thing. Wait, 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 wait. Counterpoint: <laughs> The mullet was kind of back, based off of how he looked. <laughs> now, back. early in the year, he didn't have the <laughs> mullet. By the by, this time of the year, it, he kind of has a mullet again. I don't know if it's you know maybe it's growing somewhat evenly, but it looked like a mullet on Saturday. Is it a classic? So actually, mullet? I Is think I'm totally right about that. Okay, okay. So well, I'll, I'll give you that then. I'll give you that. He let the mullet grow back. You're the you're the mullet guy. You're the hair guy on the I show. I am the hair guy. Yes, yes, yeah. So. I mean, look, there. I knew they had a good defense. And that, and I still thought, you know, Oklahoma as an underdog, how do you not jump on that? The the Oklahoma State offense impressed me. Spencer Sanders made a lot of big plays. The run game was fantastic. They were physical. They showed the ability to make big plays. You know, this game was crazy. There were two muff punts. Both teams scored a touchdown off the other team muffing a punt. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. Caleb Williams was really struggling to throw. You know, look, I look at Oklahoma State and – they're in the playoff if they beat Baylor and Georgia, oh, yeah. and Georgia oh, yeah. beats uh, Alabama. If Alabama well, wins, maybe that throws a monkey wrench into it. But even still, I think that if Oklahoma State bees wrench. Baylor, they might leapfrog Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think if Oklahoma State wins, they're in. I hope so, man. I mean, look, I'm it's happy a big for my twelve Gundy. champion. Yep. With no, I, a big twelve champion, one loss, who just beat Oklahoma and then Baylor back to back. Exactly. Uh, no, I think they get in over uh, Cincy. Yeah, I think so, and I think they would deserve it. Frankly, I like Cincy, and I want to see them in the playoffs. But your resume isn't that good. All you did was beat Notre Dame, and it was a big win. But that doesn't stack up with some of these Power 5 resumes. No, it doesn't stack up, even though I think Notre Dame's better than most people do. It uh, still doesn't stack up. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just I'm happy for Mike, Gundy, for Mike Gundy. I mean, they were I loved watching the game. Oklahoma State rocking those alternate helmets with a script, the cursive. Dude, looked awesome. O- Oklahoma State has the best helmets in football. We did this, I think, last year. Uh, maybe this year. I don't know year. about the best, but they looked good. They have the best because they got all the... Now, I'm an alternate guy, right? I, Me I'm, too. I'm with all the kids out there. I, I like the helmets. I like the new uniforms. Yep. I like switching it up. Now, I appreciate the old school ones, too. But you bop with the kids. I, I bop with the kids, you know? Uh, <laughs> don't take that out of context. Um, I think Oklahoma State has some of the best uniform combos 
in college football. I absolutely they're it's better good. better than Oregon. I mean the black and orange, like, especially when you go all black with the orange oh, accent, dude, it looks it's really good. That's great colors. Yeah, and oh, I, I was happy Oregon. to see Oklahoma State do it. I, I know it's a rough weekend for Oklahoma fans, but Oklahoma State, it's the same thing with Look, being I a Michigan think Oklahoma fan. fans have had their day exactly. for a while. It, exactly. Michigan gets the win over Ohio State for a while. Oklahoma State does the same thing. They they almost never win that game against Oklahoma. You know, it's a big deal for for the Oklahoma State fan base out there. It's a big deal for Mike Gundy. And now they're going to, same thing as Michigan, going to their first Big 12 championship game ever, which is insane to think about with how many good teams they've had. Let's go. I'm fired up. More rivalry games. The Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl was on Thanksgiving. And it was awesome. Uh, Kiffin is now 2-0 and in this game. It's such a fun matchup to watch Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin. And you got to give, you know, we both were on the Mississippi State side there and it seemed like the right bet um, going into that game. But you got to give Ole Miss credit, especially on the defense. They held Mississippi State to six points through the first three quarters. And I know that Mississippi State got things going in the fourth there. But, but by that time, that game was already over. And it didn't, there was no, it didn't feel like Mississippi State had a chance to come back. You know, I love what Lane Kiffin is doing there. He's trolling people with the coaching carousel stuff already since all this stuff is happening. He's tweeting out pictures of Texas license plates, just fucking with people. He's not going <laughs> anywhere. That. He's not leaving. I, you know, I love it. And, and you, to me, you don't think he's going anywhere? No, he's staying I think Lane Kiffin is one of, now I don't, I think he's one of the hottest commodities. If I were an AD, I would love Lane Kiffin. I think he's one of my most, I think he's one of my favorite head coaches, yep. but you're probably right. I don't think he's going anywhere for no. a while. I think he likes it there. Ole Miss is a good spot, and I think he learned his lesson when he burned Tennessee that, right. you know, that if you do that enough, no one's going to want to hire you. You know, if you start, it's the same thing with like Bobby Petrino. It's like, well, where, how can we trust you to be loyal to the program? And he's got a good thing going at Ole Miss, and they're not, it seemed like when they were first there, it was all flash and finesse. They're a physical team. They out-physicaled yeah. Mississippi State. The defense is playing better and better each week. Uh, you know, look, they already lost Alabama. They don't have a chance. Obviously, they didn't make the SEC championship game, but they went 10-2, and two, which is massive for them. Their over-under was 7.5, and, and I was on that early in the year. I didn't think they'd get to 10, though. And for them to, you know, I think they're going to get a really good bowl game against a two-loss team like... Ohio State or Oregon or Michigan State, something like that. I think it'll be a, a fantastic matchup. But Ole Miss is going in the right direction. And no. if they get lucky and pull off getting Arch Manning, the next uh, great man. That would be awesome. Then, then oh look gosh. out, man. They're going to be really good. And he's making a case. Lane Kivitz making it appealing to go there. He's all. I love how he's into the Egg Bowl. He oh, yeah. talked a little bit after. He's on Twitter. I love it. Yeah, he's uh, great. Egg Bowl is one of my favorite bowls. We talked about the eggs last week. Yeah. A uh, little, uh, did you know, a little quiz here. So according to foodandwine.com, mm. we'll give you a little quiz, okay? That's a great publication. Uh, according to foodandwine.com. Now this is, they, they actually went in and got this data from Grubhub, okay? Okay. So this is according to Grubhub. The most ordered egg dishes in the country. Mm. What is the number? Now, it doesn't have to be just eggs. Okay, the, the okay. first number one. So it's one, not just like a, like a difference between scrambled and fried, right? It's an egg dish. Right, exactly. Uh, the first one is a, it, it's a type of sandwich. Oh, egg salad. No. No? Bacon, egg, and cheese croissant. Okay, well, that's not an egg dish. Well, that's what this says. Foodandwine.com's most popular egg dishes. What do you want me to do about the title? I don't I don't title these things, Will. I just don't, um, you here, know. Here. I'll, I'll just give you the, all right, so number one was bacon, egg, and cheese croissant. Number two is... Oh, yeah, this is a stupid list. Eggs, any style with potatoes. Number three is bacon, egg, and cheese bagel. 
foodandwine.com needs to do a better job. I mean, it's not... We it, go here looking for That's a vague... Content. This is real vague. To cover food and wine, those are two pretty in-depth things. That's like saying, you know, life and death. It covers everything. Can I give you my favorite egg sandwich, though? Yeah, of course. Uh, Pete's Coffee's national, right? Is Pete's yeah, everywhere? Yeah. national Pete. brand. So Pete's Coffee has a delicious breakfast sandwich. It's the bacon, egg, and cheese uh, brioche. Mm, it is nice so brioche. good. And they like... They do something to the bun. I don't know. It's not... I, I don't know what they do to it. It's just delicious. Okay. So I recommend that. Yeah. I mean, look, the yeah. egg bowl, I like eggs. You like eggs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have guessed that... Uh, I mean, look, if you're going to ask me what the most popular egg dish is, I'd probably go like hard-boiled eggs or deviled eggs, something like that, because that's a true egg dish. Egg. Yeah. But uh, moving from eggs to corn... Oh. We have the corn war. Okay. It was Nebraska it. versus Iowa, and I nicknamed it that. It's the battle for the cornfields. <laughs> it's the battle in the fields. Look, Nebraska blew it. They had a, a a big lead going into the fourth. Iowa scores 19 unanswered, 19 nothing in the fourth quarter. You just knew once, once Iowa got in striking distance, you knew Nebraska was going to blow it. They're up on them. They let them back in the fourth, only to lose by single digits again. But at some point... The narrative can't be, oh, poor Nebraska. They lost a close. At some point, the narrative has to be, this is who they are. Can Scott Frost win a game? Can Scott Frost put together a game plan for where you play 60 minutes and get the win? At some point, this becomes habit. Very true. They're first half champions of the world, and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, them in Texas. But look, I mean, nine losses. They go three, nine. All nine losses by nine or less points. It's actually impressive. I don't know how you could do that all year long. That's hard to do, even if you were trying to do it. Yeah, Nebraska could do it. Um, Look, I think they'll be a a pretty good team next year if the players buy in. Iowa goes on to the Big Ten Championship game because Wisconsin gets beat by Minnesota. The battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Uh, Wisconsin just flops. The offense looks bad. Minnesota gets the win. Big one for P.J. Fleck. And now we've got Iowa versus Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, the other game that was crazy to me that I love the most. It was the LSU A&M game. This is Coach O's last game at, at Tiger Stadium, Death Valley. They beat A&M in the last minute. Uh, touchdown throw, I think, with like 20 seconds left. Gets LSU the win. Speaking of great alternate helmets, LSU's white helmets look awesome. They had the white helmets going on. Those whoa, were incredible. Whoa, 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 whoa. News as of 20 minutes ago. What? what Did you, you see this? Well, wait. I, I saw something that... Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Let's let's hear. Are you sure? Here, okay. I'll tell you what I saw going on a second ago. Is that? Oh my gosh! Wait. Yeah, about LSU. Oh my gosh! We got some breaking news here. This is incredible. Yeah. All right. You want to share it? Breaking news on <laughs> air. On, on, on air. We always miss these. <laughs> right. Sources. Yeah. For, this is from Pete Thamel, a legit college football guy. LSU is expecting to hire Notre Dame's Brian Kelly as the school's next head coach. Hold on. Hold on, Hannah. I've got some breaking news. Oh! Uh, we got some breaking news music back here. This is That's insane. That's breaking news. That's music. okay. Whatever. It is breaking news. This is real. We're real news. We're journalists. Brian Kelly going this is to incredible. LSU. Holy shit. This is incredible. Brian Kelly. Oh, my God. I mean, now we just got to get to the coaching carousel segment because right. we were going to do that anyway. Oh, wow. Because I had said for L- things were dwindling for LSU in the coaching search, right? Everyone else is getting their coaches. Florida gets Billy Napier. For me, I was saying LSU's got to pay up and get Dave Aranda. That's who I was saying. Or Mario Cristobal pay somebody to go in big. We now have two massive coaching changes yeah. that no one saw coming. No one saw Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame. No one saw Lincoln Riley leaving OU for Southern Cal. And Brian Kelly's going to go to the SEC at LSU. This is insane, Look, Tyler. I've been saying this for a long time. I really 
believe Brian Kelly is a top five coach in college football. He's done well wherever he's gone. He's elite. Let's not all forget the recruiting hurdles that he's had to go through with Notre Dame. And I don't blame Brian Kelly one bit because here's what he has to go through. You have to have a certain GPA. You have to meet all these different credentials. He's looking around, that is Brian Kelly, at Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, even USC. Like, oh my gosh, look at the guys they're getting who we just can't get because we're Notre Dame and it's all about academics. I don't blame him one bit. You give Brian Kelly... LSU, which, well, I'm not sure how they've been recruiting last couple years, and I don't know if the cupboard's full there, or you know if they're ready to win right now at an elite level. But maybe this not to me, quite. But I think they're. I think LSU is getting one of the best coaches in the country. This is to me maybe the best situation for LSU outside of Lincoln Riley. I love this for uh, the Tigers. Oh, are you kidding? It's a great hire. I mean, look, Brian Kelly has taken Notre Dame to multiple playoffs, and say what you want about Notre Dame, it's a great school, great football tradition. It's not easy to win there. They can't recruit no. on the same level as LSU. Exactly. They have academic standards to deal with. Regionally, that's a hard area to recruit well. This is massive. This is a huge hire for them. Now, look, will he succeed in the NFL? We don't know. Or in the in, SEC? In, in the, same hey, thing. It's as close to the NFL thing. as you're going to get. It, will he succeed in the SEC? I don't know. Um, but he's going to be able to recruit way better than he ever could at Notre Dame. We'll see what who he brings together to his staff. This is a a knockout hire for LSU, yes, especially is. with with the coaching carousel dwindling. That's incredible. I can't believe it. It's breaking incredible. News breaking, I mean, college football tailgate. We never get the breaking news. And now, who is Notre Dame going to hire? This changes everything. Yeah. Notre Dame's a big opening. Who gets Notre Dame at this point? Oh my gosh. Uh, Luke Fickle to Notre Dame. I could see that happening. Um, this is incredible. We know. I, I mean, what is happening in college football right now? Oh, okay. I got it. I got a headline. Okay. Okay. The headline on the fly. Oh, on the fly. So work with me here. Okay. The coaching carousel trickle might bring Luke Fickle to South Bend. It's long, but I like yeah. it. The rhyme is good. It's just yeah. you know brevity. It's a little wordy. You need a little brevity. It's a little wordy. You got to trim do. the fat. Figure yeah. it out. Um. I mean, look, massive, massive coaching hire. I don't even know what to say right now. I think that Brian Kelly could dominate and how hats off to him with college football expansion about to happen. Notre Dame was about to be a shoe into the playoff every year. Mm -hmm. They already were basically being an independent. They don't have to play a conference championship game. Now they go to the SEC. SEC I'm sure they made it worthwhile money wise too, for, for sure. But the SEC West that's insane. That's difficult. He's saying, I'm not scared of Alabama. I'm not scared of a and I'm not scared of the big bad SEC. Hats off to Brian Kelly. That takes balls. It does. I love the hire, and I think that LSU immediately should be projected as one of those. Again, let's... This just happened. Wow. I want to look at the roster, how they've done recruiting last couple of years. But if I mean, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm I'm it's falling off a so bit. jacked right now. And I don't know that Brian Kelly is the dude who comes in and wins immediately. But I, I think by year three, they are a they're they're really really good. And if he gets the right staff, I mean, wow, incredible. Yeah. Um, Billy Napier gets hired at Florida. I actually love the hire for the Gators. He comes from Louisiana, uh, the Rage and Cajuns. Three ten win seasons at Louisiana the last four years. Uh, his four years there. Raging Cajuns had zero 10-win seasons in school history before him. That's a big deal. That's the, I know that it's the Now Sun they have belt. more double-digit win seasons than Iowa State. <laughs> that's that's wow. a big deal. <laughs> God. <laughs> Tyler getting a dig in. I love it. Um, 
Look, he coached under under Dabo. He coached under Saban. He's got experience. Apparently, he's a good recruiter. Really good guy. Look, you know, well mannered. You are way more into this hire than I am. I think, unfortunately, this is a classic hire that kind of has the early flashes, but it's going to fizzle out. And look, every hire doesn't work out. It's. I feel like we all, especially you, you're such a college ball purist. I you're, am. You're like a. And so I, I feel am a like purist. college ball fans get so excited with these new hires because there's endless possibility. And it's fu- so funny. You're a Michigan fan, obviously, but I've seen you jump on different, you know, a, a different fan bases, you know, different... Uh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, what, what, what word am I looking for? Uh, uh, bandwagon? Wa- bandwagon. I was going to say station wagons. <laughs> I love a station wagon, too. I drive a station wagon. Jumping I love wagons. station wagons. But uh, I just think that, look, again, how many hires do you think actually work out every season? It's like half the hires. If That's that. true. So this, to me, I think the hires that are going to work out are Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, the whole mid-level coach who succeeded in that. I, I, I'm glad he gets the opportunity. And yeah. I, I think he's probably a hell of a guy. He's, he has a good resume, but of all the hires I've seen so far, I'm least excited about this one. And I think this has the biggest opportunity to flame out. That makes sense. I'll give you that. It definitely has opportunity to flame out because he hasn't done it at a big program. What what does, you know, at least I, f- I feel like it's a good sign is that he does have coaching experience at big programs as an assistant underneath these guys, right? He's now proven it because lots of guys can be an assistant under Nick Saban or Dabo or whatever and go someplace and suck. He went to Louisiana, won a lot of games or played tough against big, you know, they beat uh, your favorite, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. They beat... Uh, they've played tough games against a lot of Power 5 programs, and now he goes to a talent-rich area in Florida where Miami is down, Florida State is down, things are you, Central Florida is down, things are bad in Florida. He should be able to clean up there, and the one thing we heard about Dan Mullen repeatedly at Florida and before that was that he wasn't a great recruiter. If Billy Napier is a good recruiter, he's going to get talent in there, and he'll have something to do with it, and it's yet to be seen how he can... Uh, whether he'll compete on that level, I'm having problems with my, my mic again. I got. Will, what cord. is it with that? I gotta stop touching the cord, dude. Um, you like to play with that. You like to mess fidget. with it and fidget, fidget. with it. Yeah. I'm a fidgeter. We got to get you something else to 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 fidget, fidget, fidget with during the show. A fidget spinner. You think that would be distracting? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I'm easily <laughs> distracted. Look, I, I like the hire. It's it's definitely not a slam dunk. You're right. It is not on the level of of Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, some of these bigger yeah, hires. I don't love it. But I, it could be one of those sneaky hires where you go, I don't love it, and then it turns out to be great. And so we'll see how it shakes out. Oak, all right, so getting into the coaching carousel, we saw Washington hire their head coach today. They get the guy from Fresno State, Kalen uh, DeBoer, I think is how you say that, DeBoer. Day Bauer. Day Bauer. Day Bow Bow. No, I don't know. <laughs> Day Bow Bow. Um, look, another guy who's done well at a small school, and Washington is, is a tough school to win at as far as recruiting goes. I actually like that hire for them. Once again, not a lot of good coaches left. TCU is going to hire Sonny Dykes. Now, he won a lot at, at Southern Methodist, SMU. Mm. And the reason why I like that hire is because SMU and TCU are in the same city, that Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. He knows the area. He can recruit the area. He's got a great relationship with the high school coaches there. I think it's a solid hire for TCU. How, how, wait, so you're, I love you doing your, your carousel thing here. I'm yes. going to – just for – not the whole time. Carousel music. Love it. Okay, you ready? Um LSU. So now they get they get Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly or the replacement for Notre Dame. Bring in Luke Fickle. The replacement ah. for Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. You bring back Marcus Freeman unless he goes to LSU with Brian Kelly. I can't believe Brian Kelly's going to LSU. He's incredible. <laughs> um, TCU. So we mentioned the SMU. Uh, Sonny Dykes head coach goes to TCU. 
They bring in Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator at Miami, a guy who had been an offensive coordinator at SMU before that. Okay. Had scored a lot of points, made a big offense. Now, there's only a few schools that haven't hired their their head coach now at this point. So, obviously, Notre Dame is now open. Oklahoma still hasn't nothing official. And Virginia Tech. Ah. Here's what I like for Oklahoma. Now, I don't think this is going to happen, but I think the best available get for them right now that's realistic is Josh Heupel. He's the he, he's a former I'm, player I'm not there. Excited about that at all? I don't know. I think you, I think if you're Oklahoma, you want another guy that can score a lot of points. He's got things going in a positive direction at Tennessee. I think uh, you know it'd be brutal for Tennessee to lose another head coach that is promising like they did with Lane Kiffin. Um, but he's the guy I'd want right now if I was Oklahoma. But I think the more realistic hire is Brett Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson, who was a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma before that. I think there, there's already rumors that he is the guy they're zeroing in on. I think it's very likely that, that Brett Venables ends up going there. Um, you know, I think that uh, for, for Virginia Tech, that's the other big program kind of left out right now as far as who they're hiring. I think Virginia Tech needs to get a good defensive coordinator. Go after Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator at Georgia, who has Georgia's defense going great. He's being his name is getting tossed into the ring a lot. I think he's a guy who could. He's got SEC recruiting ties, and he he turns Virginia Tech the Hokies back into a defensive Virginia team. Virginia Tech. Why are we talking Virginia Tech? The who, Hokies, baby. Who cares about the Hokies? I have. I don't know. I, I have current odds here for the next full time Oklahoma coach. Okay, Brent Venables plus uh, a four to one. Okay. So Brett Venables four to one, Lane Kiffin, no, and Mark Stoops happening. both five to one. I like the Mark Stoops higher too. Matt Campbell six to one, mm. <laughs> Luke Fickle seven to one, Jay Norvell eight to one, Bob Stoops nine to one, Josh Heupel ten to one, Shane Beamer eleven to one, Mario Cristobal fifteen. To okay, one. how about this? Actually, Matt Campbell is a great hire for Notre Dame. Uh, he stays in the Midwest oh, regionally. He's already recruiting that region. Now he goes to a school where he can get bigger, better recruits. I actually, I feel like Iowa State kind of has that tough physical personality that you've gotten out of Notre Dame recently, yeah. and he'd be the perfect guy to get them to lots of wins and not win, not win a is, national championship just like Brian Kelly. Matt Campbell is the perfect coach if you want to win nine games every season. Get Matt Campbell. He's I mean, that, that, that's what they want in Notre Dame. You know who I... Uh, Nine and three every year. I don't know about that. All right, here, look. One name that I I, I think is going to be in the mix here that I haven't heard a lot about, uh, Matt Rule, the current coach of the Carolina Panthers. What do you think of the possibility of him coming back from the NFL? He was great at Baylor. He's kind of... Mm. They're making some mistakes there, I think, in, in Carolina. I think Matt Rule's a, a great coach. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him coming back. Like one of the, That's actually... Uh, it was Adam Schefter had said when the Oklahoma news broke with Lincoln Riley that they were zeroing in on on uh, Cliff Kingsbury. It's like hmm. he has the number one team in the NFC right now at the Arizona Cardinals. Why on earth would he leave that right. to go to Oklahoma? I don't see it. Um, so, I mean, just incredible. This Brian Kelly news has just shook me. Yeah, yeah. Well, come on. Get, snap back into it. Brian Kelly is going to be at LSU. You're going to – I think here's the thing. I think I'm getting into this. Will is having trouble with this because Will is now a pseudo LSU fan. Will loved Ed Orgeron so much. We got LSU swag in the studio yep. for Will's love of LSU. Will also concurrently at the same time was kind of hesitant on Brian Kelly. You were never a Brian Kelly lover. I wasn't a stan like you. You weren't a, you weren't a stan like me. Yeah. 
And now Brian Kelly's coaching your your team. They're your team. They're one oh, of your teams. They're not my team. Look, first of all, I'll love Coach O forever regardless. And by the way, when he gave that last Go Tigers after that game yeah. on Saturday, it, like a tear dropped from my eye. <laughs> I'll love him forever. I hope he goes to Louisiana, truly. It sets up perfectly oh, cool. for him to go yeah. and coaching the Raging Cajuns because he is a Raging Cajun. It would be incredible. <laughs> he is their mascot. He could be their mascot and their coach at the same time. Um. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, look, I, I actually have never been the biggest Brian Kelly guy. He was coaching Notre Dame, which is a rival of Michigan's. Mm-hmm. I've always respected him as a great coach. I respect him even more now for, for willing to take on the job of going to the SEC and, and coaching LSU in the same division as Nick Saban. Like, now I'm actually going to be rooting for him just based off of that. It, it's incredible. <laughs> That's the carousel music. I love it. Um, okay. Coaching carousel is done unless any more news breaks in the next 30 minutes. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, Heisman predictions really quickly. Quickly. Nobody wants it. Apparently CJ Stroud. Um, he looked, he, you know, didn't look that great against Michigan after the big one against Michigan state. I don't know if he's going to be able to win it. Bryce young. Same thing. I know he, he did the drive uh, against, against Auburn at the end, but he didn't look good before that. People are saying Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end. Now maybe could be a defensive player getting in there. I don't know. I mean, uh, what, what, where would you think the Heisman goes this year, Tyler? Well, the current odds are Bryce Young, the odds-on favorite, minus 200. So for those who aren't uh, too familiar with betting, you have to bet $200 to win $100. So you collect mm. the 300 A lot of people think, why would you make a bet if you're going to lose 100 if you win? So you bet 200 to win profit 100 on Bryce Young. The next favorite is C.J. Stroud. If you bet that same two hundred with CJ Stroud, instead of winning a hundred, you win eight fifty. Mm. That's a huge disparity. So Bryce Young minus two ten, CJ or minus two hundred, CJ Stroud plus four twenty five, uh, Kenneth Walker Michigan State fourteen to one, Kenny Pickett uh, Pittsburgh fourteen to no one, no chance, and Aiden Hutchinson Michigan fourteen to one. Now here, so this is down to Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Here's why I actually first of all. What sucks is that both those guys, we'll see what happens with Bryce Young. If Bryce Young plays out of his mind and they beat Georgia, he's going to win. His. It's his. If he doesn't, though, if Georgia's defense just dominates them, I, I could see I could see him falling off and they're saying, well, now he can't do it. And look, incredible year, true freshman or, or redshirt freshman, whatever. Right. Same thing for, for C.J. Stroud or, or, or Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, both mm-hmm. redshirt freshmen. Those guys have had incredible seasons. What's tough is that Ohio State's not in the championship week. And I actually could see, call me crazy, call me a homer, if Aiden Hutchinson goes out again on against Iowa, gets like three sacks and puts Michigan into the playoff, I actually think there's a you chance know he could cool do it. it would be if Michigan had two Defense, defensive Heismans? The only two. The only two. Charles awesome. Woodson's the only one. I don't think it'll probably happen. Most, most uh, defensive end guys don't do it, and people are getting their ballots right about now. Um, but it's just a weird year where like there's no... Real pull away guy. I think if you're looking at just resume, it's probably Kenneth Walker. Yeah, but I mean, don't count out right Hassan there. Haskins, Michigan's running back now either. He had five touchdowns against Ohio State. He's got big numbers. Uh, maybe he'll have a chance. I don't know. I mean, there we go. It's just a funky, funky year. Uh, but Tyler, one of, the, one of the segments I wanted to bring up this show, conspiracy corner. Okay, we've talked about it a lot. We love conspiracy theories, both of us. I've been deep in the conspiracy game for years, and the reason why I brought it up is because. At the end of the Bedlam game, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, pretty clear 
defensive pass interference on Oklahoma State that didn't get called. One of the more blatant non-called, and it was it was a fourth down play. It was Oklahoma's last chance. Mm-hmm. They throw to the end zone. It was blatant uh, pass interference, and there was no flag. Did the Big 12 purposely try to keep Oklahoma from winning in order to keep Oklahoma out of the championship game because they want a big middle finger at Oklahoma and Texas for leaving the Big 12? Uh, I hope so. Means, motive, and opportunity. They got all three. I hope so. I hope so. I would back it up. I would be a fan of it. Uh, Look, I've said this before. If you're going to do it, go out there and be transparent about it. Don't call it. Just let the world know. So, Will, I hope that's the case. Do I think it is? No, I think that's crazy. I kind of think it it might be the case. I kind of think that maybe the refs were told, hey, listen, we'd love, not like explicitly, like don't call defensive pass interference in the last play, but hey, we'd love to not have Oklahoma in the championship game. Look, from a PR move for for the Big 12, losing Oklahoma and Texas is a horrible hit from PR, from a money standpoint. Now they can be like, hey... They're leaving. Those guys, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, aren't even good enough to make the Big 12 championship game. We're bringing in Cincinnati. We're bringing in BYU, these good teams, right? You know, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that maybe it's true. Uh, I, I hope it is. I'm into it, but I don't think it is. Okay, well, speaking of conspiracy theories, I tasked you, Tyler, yes. with picking your favorite conspiracy theories, whether mm. you believe them or not. Mm. They can just be your favorites. And then conspiracies that you actually believe are true. So I have a couple of uh, categories here. Okay. I have four conspiracy theories, uh, each in their own category. I have my favorite one, my least favorite one, which I think is stupid, uh, one that I actually believe in, and then one that I used to believe in. So we'll go my favorite one. I love this one. I've probably done the most research on this. I think it's fascinating. D.B. Cooper. Oh, So for yeah. those who don't know, D.B. Cooper... Uh, he escaped from an airplane, and well, he, he took people hostage. Right? He well, he took he, a plane hostage. He hijacked a plane. Hijacked a plane. Yeah, he hijacked a plane. This was in the early seventies, in the nineteen seventy one. Hijacked a plane, uh, demanded a whole bunch of cash, which was on the plane, and stole the cash. Jumped, parachuted out of the plane, and was never found. Never found his body. Never found. They actually found some of the cash. I don't know if it was washed up or uh, I think it was on a, a beach somewhere where it washed up, uh, potentially in uh, like like the flight path. I think they yeah. found some cash, but they never found him. And I, I've, I, I, I'm so fascinated with this because after this long, it happened in 71, people have been obsessed with this. I mean, the FBI was on this for years and usually they find something, but... I don't know, D.B. Cooper. What I think about this one is, and look it up if you're interested. I think it's fascinating. What I think happened with D.B. Cooper, unfortunately, I think going that fast in the middle of the night, in rain, in cold weather, in the Pacific Northwest, you're landing in in a very hilly, mountainous terrain. I just think back to a Norm MacDonald joke. Okay. There's two, you know, there's two classifications of cliff divers. World champions... And stuff on a rock. <laughs> and I unfortunately think D.B. Cooper may fall into the latter category Yeah, there. he's probably just like got murdered by a tree. His chute didn't open and no one's ever or found him or his money. Or coyotes or something or like that. Or he escaped and mm. he became someone famous that, you know. Look, a lot of people think they found him afterwards, but that's my favorite conspiracy theory of all time. Okay. D.B. Cooper. Enough. I love that one. Okay. My least favorite. Oh, here we go. I didn't think about that. Least favorite. 9-11. 
okay. was an inside job. Interesting. 9-11 okay. was an inside job is probably the stupidest one that I've heard. It's all but proven. It was not an inside job. Fair and at enough. this point, when there's all this evidence, and those, there was actually a great South Park about it. So if you want more on oh, that, yeah. I would, yeah, what's the South Park about the 9-11 conspiracy? Classic. It's hysterical. All right. One that I believe. So this is where I put on my conspiracy hat. Here we go. I'm not saying the mob did it. I'm not saying a rival uh, politician did it. I don't know who did it, but something's fishy with the JFK murder. Kennedy, okay, the, the, of course. Or the, yeah, so the whole idea that it was only Lee Harvey Oswald, he acted alone, I don't buy it for a second. I think he was a patsy. I think he was involved in some way. I think Lee, Lee, Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald was involved. Now, all this stuff, here's the thing is when you get all these ridiculous conspiracy theorists on on uh, the path yeah then they can make take a good store or a good angle and make it bad and so what's recently come out is all this stuff oh look at the picture of Lee Harvey Oswald it was doctored by right. the you know the the, the the shadow would have been going this way I don't buy into that stuff yeah, yeah. but I just think circumstantially there are more people involved with the JFK shooting yeah and then one that I used to used to believe in but now I question is the moon landings. Mm. Or no, no, no. Now I don't question. Excuse me. I believe now we landed on the moon. And the reason I, I think see. that, yeah. So I used to think for a long time. It was faked. Well, I thought that it easily could have been. I right. thought the motive was there. I thought the ability to do it was there. I thought a lot of stuff uh, lined up. But actually, a little uh, nod to the Joe Rogan show, because of Joe Rogan. Second most popular podcast behind College Football Tailgate. Exactly. Joe Rogan for a long time was a conspiracy theorist for that. He thought that we never landed on the moon. He had so many different people on that talked about things in a rational way. Shills for the government. (laughs) You know what? That's actually NASA. my, my, my last thing is that's the paradox about talking with a conspiracy theorist about conspiracies. Yeah, because there's, there's a built-in excuse for anything. Always an yeah. excuse. And if they if you it's get true. down to, well, look, I mean, this this uh, verified research says this. It's always... Oh, he's paid well, by the, the government. Exactly. Well, the people doing shill. the research are the ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the people... Trust me, man. The, pe- the people controlling the information, yep. they're in on it, too. So there's always a, a, a reason of for course. them. Yeah. Look, c- c- conspiracy theorists are all the same to me. They're always sort of... All right, they're, they're the kind of person that wants you to think that they have information you don't have or they're smart enough to have information that everyone else has overlooked. Yeah. They don't trust any type of authority and anything said to debunk their ideas is classified as, again, well, that's what the people controlling the information want of you course, to believe. Of course, man. That's what they want you to think, yeah, man. Yeah. Look, first of all, I consider myself a conspiracy theorist. I've always loved conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. I used to believe some that I don't believe now. Um, what do you believe? I, I find that, well, first of all, here, let me give you some of my favorites. Okay. So, fake the moon landing is a personal favorite because I'm still torn on it. Okay. I, I, there's an interesting twist, a conspiracy Ooh. theory of I a conspiracy a theory. Oh. This is like, because like, the theory is oh. we fake the moon landing to like uh, bankrupt the, the Russians, right? Which is a good motive, right? But mm. I actually heard of a really interesting theory about the theory mm. that we did go to the moon, but because of like this Kuiper belt, which is like a radiation belt, that they couldn't have brought back the film. So we did go there, but then we had to fake the film in order to let everyone know that we went there or project that we won the space race, right? right? So I love that theory. Is like I'm not sure if it's true, but I just love the idea of we actually did it, but we had to fake the footage because we couldn't get the film back. Yeah, no, that one is interesting. But, love that but one. But again, all of these things that point to the pictures and stuff like that being fake really have been, a lot of those have been debunked. 
Yeah, well, I don't know, Tyler. Were you there? Because I wasn't. Um, so you can't tell me otherwise. Uh, so a couple other favorites. Uh, birds aren't real. Have you heard this one? Oh, this is mine. They're all government. I came up with this one. And I actually said it's for squirrels. You came I, up with birds aren't real? Well, I think it was during They're government of, drones. I think this was during a day in college where I was going through my experimental phases mm, with different sexually. things. Sexually. <laughs> <laughs> Sexually, exactly. No, and I'm walking to the park. I'm going, you know, man, what if these squirrels are just like, you know, from China? Mm, see, and but all... squirrels are too tricky animatronically to make robots. I don't but know. birds, you would think so. Birds, I could see it. So I believe the, in this one. The conspiracy or not theory. all birds, but some birds. Some birds are I drones. Think totally. Mm. There. Why would they not be? Well, but here's just we, the blue-footed boobies. I that, love blue-footed boobies. That's a real bird uh, out there, by the way. If you're the not the blue-footed booby, to bird. That's what they call. But hot, that's a fun one. I like. They call hot Smurfs. That, <laughs> um, birds aren't real is a fun one. This one is uh, super fun, by the way. Go on YouTube and search it. That Baron Trump, uh, Donald Trump's youngest son, who's like 15 or something, is a time traveler. There's this whole conspiracy that revolves around someone found this obscure book from like 1910. This guy wrote. And this character's name is Baron Trump, and he becomes like uh, the president of the United States. And there's all these weird similarities that that are that uh, like are just crazy coincidences with that that went along with Trump being Donald Trump winning the presidency, and then he has this son, and his mom is from Russia, and he's this time traveler. And in the book, there's even a picture of the guy, and he looks like Baron Trump. It's fascinating. I don't believe it's true, but it's hilarious. Hmm. YouTube, YouTube, Baron up. Trump is a time traveler. You'll love, you'll love it. You mentioned the Kennedy assassination. Kennedy assassination. Yeah. I love that one as well. But conspiracies, I believe. I've got three here. One of them is is very topical. It's real right now, and I think I'm the first one to claim this. Mm. Uh, we're all familiar. Most people are familiar with the Jeffrey Epstein case, all that stuff. This chick, uh, Ghislaine or Ghislaine Maxwell, however you say her name, no one knows how to say her name. She's dead or she cut a deal because even though apparently her trial is going on right now uh, and she was arrested like a year ago or more. There's never been a single photograph of her, not even a mugshot. Even when Jeffrey Epstein got arrested, we had a mugshot. All we have to prove that she's even in court or arrested right now is a artist depiction from the court where they paint the, you know, the artist paints a picture of them sitting behind the court. We have no video uh, footage, anything. I think she's dead or she cut a deal and she's not there at all. And it's all a big uh, spoof because I think she's got dirt on powerful people. That's my conspiracy theory is that she's not uh, in court right now at all. And it's all being faked. Um, The other one, the NBA is rigged. NBA refs, are uh, are it. manipulate games no, so that big market it. teams win games. Love that one. And then this one is college football related. Mm. Back when Bob Stoops stepped down and Lincoln Riley took over for him, the timing was really weird. It was at a strange time when coaches usually don't retire. It was like right right after signing day or something like that. There was it was there was something going on that was strange about it. I think that Lincoln Riley either had dirt on Stoops and forced him out. Or he went to the o- the Oklahoma Regents and said, "I'll leave if you don't give me the job right now." And I actually think that Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops are not chummy, and now it'll be easy for them mm. for Bob Stoops to to not really? pretend like it because Lincoln Riley left. That's I my don't theory. know that. I mean, that's interesting. I'm a fan of that. Those I didn't are my know conspiracy that. theories. I believe. Wait, what about this conspiracy theory? Okay, Bob Stoops is DB Cooper. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's mind blown. I love it. <laughs> He got all the money and he said, I'm going to go into coaching. Yes. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's Conspiracy Corner. Yes. We'll bring that back one day. This yes, won't be yeah. a uh, one-time segment. 
Um, Tyler, let's well, talk about BetUS. Let's talk about BetUS. We got bowl season coming up. Best place to make all your bowl bets because they've got everything you want. Uh, winners for the bowl games, obviously. They're going to have some contests on there. You can do a bunch of player props. It's tough to find player props in college football, and I'm pretty sure they're going to have player props for some bowl games coming up. So make sure you're part of BetUS. It's a way to help us out. And uh, all you have to do is, look, if you're part of DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, that's great. It's It helps so much, though, to have more sports books to make bets at because when you shop around, you can, you can find the best lines. It doesn't matter how good a sports better you are, how bad a sports better you are. A half point here, a half point there is invaluable. So just add BetUS to whatever you're using, and you're going to love it. You get your money in easy, get your money out easy, and they've got all kinds of promotions. I mean, how many times have you signed up with a book that you know you see on TV, and they've got a great sign-up bonus, but then that's it. You never get a bonus again. BetUS is going to offer you all kinds of treats and bonuses and free bets all throughout the lifetime of you being a member. So sign up with BetUS today. Help us out by putting in promo code TAILGATE, and uh, that promo code gets you access to all different kinds of uh, bonuses. And my favorite is the 100% bonus. You put 100 in before you know it, or however much, you put 2,000 in before you know it, you've got 4,000 in your account. So online, BetUS.com. Use promo code TAILGATE when you're signing up. Love it. BetUS. Shout out BetUS. Um all right, so before we do best bets, before we get into best bets, we have one more segment, Tyler. One more segment. It's real or fake, and we've done this a lot. We've done it with player names. We've done it with bowl games, with mascots. We did a segment also once that was Shark Tank, where we pitched ideas. So we're blending the two here. Hello, Sharks. Yes, hello, Sharks. Mm-hmm. My, here's my pitch. So this is a real or fake that I'm going to I'm gonna give to you, So basically. real or fake Shark Tank edition. Shark Tank oh. business ideas. So I'm going to give you the business I, uh, the idea, right? Okay. The pitch for what the name of the company is, what it does, and you're going to tell me if it's real or fake. This is one that was actually pitched on Shark Tank or if it's made up. I love it. I've got five here. Okay. All right, first one up. Scoop boots. They're pooper scooper shoes. So the way it works is you have pooper scooping shoes, so you don't have to get (laughs) the pooper scooper with your hands. You don't have to go down and pick it up. It's all, it's like, it's part of the bottom of the shoe. Yeah. You walk over, you scoop it up. It falls into a bag on your heel behind your shoe. After you're done, you grab the bag. And it's taking... Keeps your hands away, hands-free poop scooping. And it's taking a non-pleasurable experience. Making it fun. And making it fun. You could run around and do it if you wanted to. So I scoop think boots that is, is the indeed name of the company. Uh, fake. It's fake. Okay. I thought My so. idea. I thought scoop boots was... Uh, by the way, patent pending. Uh, don't steal that idea. <laughs> Scoop Boots is real. Okay. Well, Will, I, I got to say, I'm in with you for a lot of the ideas you have. I'll go with you. I'll pitch to the sharks with you. Hello, sharks. Okay. Maybe not for that one. Hello, sharks. Mm. My next business mm-hmm. is called Cougar Energy. <laughs> Cougar Energy is an energy drink, excuse me, energy drinks for cougars trying to pick up young dudes. <laughs> what does it do? Just make them horny? I'm, I'm Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's got oyster juice in there or something, an aphrodisiac, <laughs> okay. but okay. that's the whole... That's the whole thing. Cougar energy, energy drinks for cougars to go pick up young dudes. Uh, I'm going to say this is also fake. Real. No, it's Cougar not. energy was pitched on Shark Tank. <laughs> Look it up. It's a real was, thing. Was it taken? Did oh, they get a no, deal? No way. Is it a real company? They were laughed out of the room, mostly because all these sharks are not young dudes that are trying to get picked up by uh, yeah, right? hot cougars. Oh, so. okay. Cougar energy, I guess. One and go. one. You're one and one. Okay. All right. We got three left. Next one is called glued now hmm. it's a pun glued 
edible glue, glue, food, glued. It's edible glue that's safe for your kids because it's candy. <laughs> so it's for arts and craft time. It's uh, it's y- the kids can use it to make macaroni, owls and shit. <clears throat> owls, me. they can make macaroni, owls. owls, whatever macaroni flowers. You know how you would put the macaroni on a piece of no, paper I mean, with the I mean, glue. I was never the art- artist. You were making the owls, I guess. I was making owls. I mean, I was making um, stars. Glued, mm-hmm. edible glue that's safe that's for real. kids. I think that's candy. real. Yes, that is fake. I came up with that myself. Shut Another dude. billion dollar idea that from Will's gonna, brain. You could have different colors, different flavors. <clears throat> I mean, they already make non-toxic. But that's, it. that's but also incentivizing kids to eat glue. I don't love that. I like it. I think it's good for kids. Kids, kids got enough problems these days. Let's give them some edible glue next up wake and bacon now wake and bacon is an alarm clock (laughs) that actually cooks your bacons that you wake up to the smell of bacon every morning okay did you steal this from michael scott no i did not and uh, he he did it with a george foreman it's very different this is a broiling technique (laughs) wake and bacon it's an alarm clock so you put the bacon in at night and then you set the timer. I like the how alarm you clock. already thought enough about the technique of cooking. It the cooks the bacon so that when you wake it. up to the smell of bacon, it's called wake and bacon. Real that, or fake? That's real. It is real. Yeah. That was also pitched and laughed out of the room. No way. How was that laughed out of the room? Uh, because I think they were like, this is a major fire hazard and people are going to get tired of the room smelling Could like be. bacon Could grease. <laughs> um, last but not least. So you're now uh, two and two. Okay. This is the, the, the decider if you win or lose. Here we go. If you're bowl eligible or not. Okay. Throx. Okay. Throx. Throx is another pun. It's a mix of socks and three because it's socks sold in threes. So you have an extra when you lose one. Everyone always complains. You lose, where'd my extra (laughs) sock go? It's Throx. You get three socks instead of two, and you have an extra one for when the one goes missing out of the dryer. Okay. uh, Throx. So is the idea of this product that you carry the third sock around with you do you keep no the third i think sock you like home? probably stash it in a special drawer so it's like for the all extra, your spare it's like the extra button on the uh, on the shirt bingo that's exactly what it is but it's not so uh, on i think this is fake throx is real <laughs> <laughs> throx got pitched once again laughed out of the room on shark tank <laughs> that's and like tyler is not bull eligible idea. No, I'm not eligible you know how i did it i'm i'm i tricked you by throwing in the glued one where it's a pun I did my own punny one in order to make sure, and I and I said that one first. Well, well to get it, you. it was punny and funny. It was a mental game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, f- real or fake? I like that. Go buy some frocks, people. I love All frocks. right, best bets. It's championship week, so we've only got six. We're b- basically breaking down the Power Five plus the AAC. All the big ones. We're going to start with best bets. The Pac-12 championship game. Utah versus Oregon. It's a rematch. These teams played two weeks ago. Oregon went to Utah, got their asses kicked by the Utes, right? Now it's neutral field. It's in Las Vegas, the new Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play. Um, Utah is a three-point favorite right now versus Oregon. And Tyler, this to me is how much is the Utah home field worth? We know that that Oregon went in a favorite by, I think, two, two and a half points, something like that. And, and Utah just bullied Oregon in the trenches. Both sides, the offense looked great. Now we get a neutral field. I always find it interesting when you get a rematch on a neutral field because I think that Utah is a very tough place to play. And now with Oregon back on their feet, they were able to run the ball against uh, Oregon State in their rivalry game in the Civil War. And now they get a rematch against Utah and they can they can make up for that loss and win the Pac-12 in one game. Personally, I think that Utah might be too good, but what worries me is that we've now seen a six-point swing from where the market had them as, you know, two weeks ago at Utah, Tyler. Right. I mean, I 
I know it's a big swing. That six-point swing could be three points for each team. You know, Utah's three better, Oregon's three worse. I think a lot of people were too high on Oregon earlier in the year. Uh, I actually like Utah this game, and to me, it just goes to the matchup the first game. There's so much that we can take away from uh, a football matchup. You know, does... One team have an advantage on the defensive line. Is there a coaching advantage? Is there a schematic advantage? And 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 that's the most important data point we have this season for both teams. However, I think Utah was so dominant that game. They did so much. It's It wasn't like, oh, the home field for Utah. Without the home field, Oregon would have been fine. Or if Oregon was a little bit healthier, they would have been fine. I think Utah has an advantage here. And I know they're both, Utah and Oregon are both playing for something, but uh, I, I lean Utah this game. I think they're the better team, and uh, they're playing their better football right now. Oregon, obviously, big win last week, but I'll take uh, Utah at Allegiant Stadium. They've done well in these games, in these situations. I like Utah. Now, what's interesting here, Tyler, is that that kind of flies in the face a little bit of your public consensus, right? Wouldn't all the public think... Utah just destroyed them and beat them by like 20 points. Yeah. Now um, we're going to pick them as three-point favorites on a neutral field. I don't know. I mean, I think that typically when it comes to a rematch, it kind of benefits the team that lost because they know what's coming. Or maybe it benefits the team that won because they're more confident going into it. Well, I think it benefits the team that lost because they changed stuff up. Utah's probably going to do what they do again. And I agree with you. It is the public sentiment, but... The public's not always wrong. Uh, I think Utah, Utah has the ability to switch things up and I just think Kyle Whittingham can come up with a game plan to be different enough. It's not like they don't understand this either. It's not yeah. like they're going, oh, we're just going to do the exact same thing. So I just think there's a lot of ways Utah wins and covers. I know I'm with the public here, but I like it. All right. I'm going to go with Utah as well, but I'm a little hesitant because I feel like this would be a prime opportunity for me to pull a gambling pro move on you and take, yeah. take Oregon plus three, but yeah. I'm not willing to do it. So I'm going to go Utah minus three as well. Uh, moving on, the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State versus Baylor. This is the first uh, Big 12 championship game for both of these teams. Pretty incredible. The game is being being played uh, in Arlington and Dallas at Jerry World, uh, where the Dallas Cowboys play. Um, you know, look, Baylor found a way to win last week against Texas Tech without Gary Bohannon. You know, he went down with the season-ending injury, their, their star quarterback. And Texas Tech had a, a field goal there to tie it up, and it just barely missed. You know, I think this is interesting because... It sounds like Dave Aranda is going to get this contract extension to stay at Baylor. His name has been thrown out there a lot in this coaching search, but because nothing has been finalized yet, we haven't seen an announcement, it worries me about where Dave Aranda's head is at. Is he talking with the people at Oklahoma? Is he talking with uh, maybe now Notre Dame? I mean, who knows? Was he talking with LSU about this coaching hire? You know, we saw how that affected Oklahoma in the last few weeks. We now know that Lincoln Riley had been maybe working some things behind the scenes that can be a big distraction for these guys. They're not focused. And that worries me when you're talking about an Oklahoma State team that's already a five and a half point favorite that beat Baylor in October when they played. And that was right around the time when Baylor started hitting their stride. And so to me, you know, if Gary Bohannon was in this game, I think I would be jumping all over Baylor here. But right now, I think that Oklahoma State's defense will be able to, you know, slow down that Baylor Bears offense, which has been good even with the backup quarterback last week against Texas Tech. But ultimately, I don't. I think you can only go so far without your star quarterback going down late in the year like that. I like Oklahoma State here minus five and a half. But look, we have to start looking at Oklahoma State as a very good. I feel like what's going to happen is. The season's going to end, and it's going to be like, wow, we didn't realize that Michigan was so good. We didn't realize Oklahoma State was so good. And I think we're making the same mistake here. 
Oklahoma State is defensively, okay? This is their defense rankings. They're fourth in the country in scoring. They're fifth in the country in pass yards allowed. Yep. They're fifth in the country in rush yards allowed. They're fourth in the country in yards per play. They have a great defense. They can stop what Baylor does well, and Baylor emptied the, the emptied everything they had in the first matchup. I think Oklahoma State has a lot of advantages here. This line's already moving. I think this could potentially be a double-digit win game for Oklahoma State. They've got mm. so much to play for. Biggest game potentially in the history of the program. I love Oklahoma State here. Yeah, me too. Look, I, I've been on the Baylor Bears a lot this year, and I really like what Dave Aranda is doing there. They're a perpetual underdog team that I, you know, I like to root for those teams. I like to see programs that aren't traditional programs doing well. And so, you know, like I said, if Gary Bohannon was under center, I think I'd be a lot more inclined to take Baylor here. But you're right. Oklahoma State's the better team. They proved it when they played them. And I think that right now they're hitting their stride. They're confident. And they're saying the same thing that, you know, that we're going to talk about with Michigan. It's, hey, we got, if we win this game, we're in the playoff. But look, these neutral site games, they're so important because. You have to see how teams perform at home and when they're not at home. And you're right, Will. This is for the playoff. The winner of this is going to be, well, the winner of this. If Oklahoma State wins this, right. they're going to be in the Final Four. Yep. All likelihood says that. So a little handicapping tip, what I like to do for bowl games and for neutral site games, see how teams do on the road. Because this is really a road game for both teams. Now, you're not going to mark down the home field advantage because the other team they're playing doesn't have an advantage. But this is a road game for both teams. This year, Oklahoma State five and zero against the spread on the road. Uh, Baylor's two and three. What does that mean? Oklahoma State really exceeding expectations when they go on the road. This is a team that Mike Gundy knows how to perform here. Championship games, bowl games. I mean, really, if you look at Oklahoma State's bowl success, he's one of the best bowl coaches. Mike Gundy is, so yeah. I trust them in this spot as well. Give me Oklahoma State. Okay, love it. The ACC championship game, man. Can I just say, by the way, if before the year you had predicted the Big 12 championship game was going to be Oklahoma State versus Baylor, if you had predicted that the ACC championship game is going to be Pitt versus Wake Forest, then you're the time that, traveler. Right. You're, you're Baron Trump <laughs> right. time traveler. Like, you're a genius. And pat yourself on the back for that because that's incredible. Um, the ACC championship game, Pitt versus Wake Forest. This game is in Charlotte, by the way, Charlotte, North Carolina. Pitt right now a three-point favorite. You know, look, I think that what uh, Dave Clawson has done with Wake Forest is nothing short of incredible. I, I think his name should be tossed into the ring more as far as these big coaching searches go. That can't... I mean, Wake Forest is a, a place where they never win big games, you know, in college football. And I get that their season... The ACC is... It's been an awful year for them. There's really not a lot of good teams. Um, their schedule wasn't great. They got whooped by Clemson a couple weeks ago. But even still, for them to win this many games and win their division, uh, you know, in the same division as Clemson, and and win, uh, you know, be in this spot to win the ACC is incredible. That being said, Pitt is the better team across the board. I I think here, I think that Kenny Pickett is a better quarterback than what they have at Wake Forest. I think that their defense is much stronger. You know, Wake Forest. While their offense has been good this year, they've been able to run the ball. They've you know they've been able to score a lot of points. Their defense hasn't been very good. Clemson was able to score a lot of points on them. I think Pitt has their way with Wake Forest here. I think that you know I don't love um, I don't love Pitt as like this you know team that is going to go on and win a big bowl game against a tough matchup or anything like that. I think it's been a good year for them. They're not a great team. You know I don't think they're a top fifteen team. But I think that they're better than Wake Forest in almost every category. What's the spread here? Uh, three points. Pitt minus three. 
And so for me, I'm jumping all over Pitt here. I think Kenny Pickett has a big day. I think the Pitt defense, you know, has a has a good showing this week. I think they're able to slow down the Wake Forest offense yeah. and win this game easily. I'm going with Pitt. I do too. I've got Pitt uh, six points better, so it's definitely a power rating play. And I mean, look, you look at uh, Pitt according to PFF College, uh, a, a website I love for advanced statistics, and Pittsburgh is really top twenty-five, top thirty in the country. In most categories, the only one they're not is rush blocking, mm. and they've gotten so much better week by week at that that I think Pittsburgh, not just on paper, they're 10-2 and two this year, they're looking really good behind the scenes. So I agree. You know, this is a kind of a, celebra- a celebratory time for Wake. You know, their fans should be happy. They don't have a lot of this kind of success, but it's just not a great matchup, and I think Wake's defense, unfortunately, going to be a little porous here, especially through the game. So, uh, you know, through the 60 minutes, I mean. So Pitt... We'll take him to uh, uh, cover the spread here. Yeah. Okay. We're both on pit there for the ACC both championship game. The AAC, the American, the AC, as Tyler calls it. The AC. Um, Houston at Cincinnati. This game has real playoff uh, implications. If Cincinnati wins, you know, they're probably in. Now, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, there's a chance that Cincinnati gets booted even at, at undefeated. But this is this is actually going to be one of the bigger the, the win at Notre Dame at Notre Dame was the biggest um, win on on Cincinnati's schedule. But this would be the second biggest one, beating a, a yeah. Houston team that is 11 and one right now is ranked in the top 25. And right now Cincinnati is a 10 and a half point favorite. And the interesting thing about the AAC championship game is that all all the Power Five championship games are played neutral field and the AAC it goes to the team with the you know the 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 highest record the best record the highest ranking and so Cincinnati gets this game at home they get it at uh at Cincinnati I'm trying to remember the name of their stadium Tyler help me out with that would uh, you Cincinnati stadium is uh oh, I want to say it like sounds like um this is going to kill me the Bearcats play Nippert at stadium Nippert yes Nippert weird name um look it, they're all in for the playoffs, and Houston is a very underrated team. Houston is not being talked about by anyone right now. They're not just good on offense. They're a good defense, too. They're 19th nat, uh, nationally in points against, and they're good against both the run and the pass. They have very impressive defensive numbers. They did lose to Texas Tech week one, but since then, they're 11-0. and They've won uh, basically every game on their schedule. They've won easily. The difference between them and Cincinnati, though, is they don't have a proven win like Cincinnati does with Notre Dame. Right, uh, Cincinnati. They have two easy wins against Houston in the last two years. So you know that recent history stuff is very much favoring Cincinnati here. But what worries me is that this 21, 2021 season has been insane, and there's been lots of upsets. Where people didn't see it coming. Top teams going down. Al- Alabama went down when they were number one. You know, Georgia is basically the only team that hasn't had this big upset loss. Georgia and Cincinnati, are the only two undefeated teams left in the country. Right. And this game to me screams upset. Especially, I know that Cincinnati's at home, and that's a huge thing for them. But Houston's defense is is very underrated. If you're going to give me ten and a half points here, Tyler, I think I'm going to take Houston. I think I'm going to take the Cougars and Dana Holgerson. Damn it! I was hoping you'd go Cincy here. I love this bet uh, at ten and a half. Houston has one of the most underrated defenses in the entire country. Their pass rush is they 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 don't have to blitz they can bring a pass rush their uh, uh rush defense they tackle they clog holes up i mean they're so underrated for what they've done defensively and i know will like you said not the best maybe schedule so far i get that but nationally we did this with oklahoma state and all their great national rankings this is houston's defensive rankings 
They're ninth in passing yards allowed, eighth in rush yards allowed, eighth in time on the field, 12th in number of plays against, and 11th in yards per play. This is a top 10 defense, yep. at least statistically. So I trust Houston to slow down Cincinnati. And Will, you know this. I, I got burned a couple weeks ago fading Cincy. Yep. I don't think they have that big game, put them away, Gene. Now, I know I lost the SMU bet because it was a blowout. I don't see it happening here, though. I'll take Houston. I love this bet. Ten and a half seems way too high to me. And uh, my power ratings, I've only got uh, Cincy about four points better. Okay. So this is a power ratings play, too. Well, and another thing to keep in mind is that with all the coaching names, I guarantee you that that Notre Dame is going to be reaching out to Luke Fickle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of maybe Oklahoma's doing it, too. Those are distractions. And, and Luke Fickle actually strikes me as the kind of dude who would say, I'll talk to you after the season or I'll talk to you after this game or whatever. I'm not going to allow this to be a distraction. But even still, it's in his mind. I mean, what, what, you know, what, what is he going to be? Is he thinking to himself, all right, I could go be the head coach at Notre Dame and win a lot of games. I know how to, how to yeah. recruit in the Midwest. But the other thing he might be thinking is he's building a really good team at Cincinnati and he runs that program. I mean, he's the god there right now. They're going to the Big 12 next year. Yeah, I think I think that conference shift will affect a lot. Yeah. Good point. I mean, fair enough. Look, I think I think we're both on Houston here. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me if Cincinnati wins big, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Houston pulls an upset and just wins the game with Dana Holerson. So uh, I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, two games left, the big ones. The Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. Michigan, 11-point favorites this versus Iowa. This one's easy. Look, I mean, this is Michigan's first Big Ten Championship game. They should be able to take care of business. Look, in every pretty much every measure, they should be better than Iowa. They have a better quarterback. They have a much better offensive line. They've scored more points. The defense has been better. The one thing I'll say is that Iowa has been a tough matchup for Michigan in recent years, but usually that's when they're playing at Iowa, at Kinnick. You know, that's been a tough spot. You know, I expect the other thing to, to take into account here is I think that since this is Michigan's first trip to Indianapolis since they started the Big Ten Championship game, uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of Michigan fans in attendance. I think they're going to buy up a lot of the tickets. I think this is going to be kind of a home field advantage for them a little bit, uh, as weird as that is to say as a place they've never played, but with the fans there. Um, The only thing that worries me about Michigan covering the spread or even winning this game, frankly, is the hangover spot. They finally beat Ohio State. They haven't beaten them in nine years. It's the biggest celebration. Ann Arbor's partying all day, all night Saturday, all day Saturday into Sunday. Now, look, the players, all the stuff that's coming out from the players that these guys have a different mentality. It's what got them that win over Ohio State is that they are a, a work business mentality and they know the job is not done. But it does worry me a little bit that maybe for them they reached that that peak that spot for them beating their rivals beating Ohio State at home an upset victory and now maybe they're a letdown spot and that kind of freaks me out I think that would be the case if this were a regular season game the fact that this is for a Big Ten title that it's going to be national TV that is to me the factor that overcomes all that stuff so I agree this is the maybe the highest point and the last I mean since you know all those heydays of Michigan this is a big day for decades we're talking decades so I get that however I think they're going to be focused. But this scares me because the margin. Michigan doesn't need margin this game. Yeah. It's Michigan true. doesn't need margin because if they win, they're they're in. Yeah. Like they they could win by one point on a last second field goal, have being, you know, outgained, having lost, you know, betrayed the whole game. Yep. Last second field goal they win, that's fine. So 
there's no incentive for them to blow uh, Iowa out of the water here. And Jim Harbaugh has come out and said already, he says, Kirk Ferentz is one of the coaches that I, uh, there's not many people I respect more than Kirk Ferentz. Right. The only reason that I go back and forth this, and I know I said it was easy. This is not easy. This is not an easy game. Iowa, to me, this game comes down to the rush attack. I know that, you know, Michigan's been able to throw the football. They've shown the ability to air it out and go vertical, which is, I think their main missing ingredient the last couple of years is an efficient pass attack. But if you look at run efficiency in the Big Ten, Iowa's 11th this year out of 14 teams. Michigan is number one. And I think that is what the game's going to come down to. Who can have success on the ground and open things up for the pass game? Yeah. I think Michigan can. And uh, I actually lean Michigan this game. The only reason why I don't love it is because they have no incentive to cover that big number. And, uh, you know, I think if it comes down to it, and let's say Michigan's up 13 with a couple, you know, six minutes left or so, I mean, I think we could see Harbaugh maybe take his foot off a little bit in terms of subbing some guys out. Right. Being careful, going in a little healthier to the to the bowl game. So yeah. I lean Michigan here. I think I'm going to go with Michigan, but I am a little bit scared about it. But what gives me, you know, Michigan special teams been fantastic this year. That's going to play a big effect here. You know, Harbaugh ha- doesn't have the best uh, record in bowl games, but what's interesting about that? We always talk about this when we're talking about bowl games is motivation. And the majority of these bowl games he's played have come after just heartbreaking losses to Ohio State where the players' spirits are broken. And so, you know, I look at some of the neutral field games they've played. Like they played um, four or five years ago, they played a week one or week two neutral field game against Florida. It's a big neutral thing. And they came out super prepared, super sharp. They look great. They blew Florida out. And so I think that Harbaugh has actually built well for, you know, for games like this where it's a neutral site, it's a playoff top type of environment and everything is on the line they still have their hopes ahead of them and and I think that you know his bowl record has been a lot of players that have just felt like their season is demolished when they lost to Ohio State and now now they don't have that um I also think that you look at Iowa their offense has especially struggled against teams that were that had good defensive lines that were able to create pressure on the quarterback and Michigan has one of the best defensive lines in the whole country. Right. I think you could see Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo have another big week, uh, get a lot of sacks, force some turnovers. So I don't love it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Michigan minus eleven here, bit of a homer pick. So let's go. Before blue. we get off Michigan, yeah. I forgot a little thing I had for today's show uh, that we didn't do with Shark Tank. My business names. Uh, I'll rattle these off quickly. We don't have to comment. I'll just rattle them off quickly. I've got uh, for those who don't know, I'm the, I'm a I'm a I'm a headline guy. I'm a business creator guy. Big I've time. already gotten hundreds of business deals done just with name ideas for oh, college. Yeah. yeah. So I've got Michigan themed business names. Michigan players themed, right? Thank you. Michigan players business ideas for these right. Michigan players. Like one of your originals, by the way, just an example. One of your all time originals was Tommy Tuberville's Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Like those are the kind of business models that, that Tyler's coming up and with. And I think here. Tommy Tuberville's in his third year. He's having a success with uh, his Tupperware company. He is a senator, I believe, right now. All right. So, <laughs> so these are all Michigan player named uh, com- businesses. All right. This is Cade McNamara. McNamara's Marinara. So he makes his marinara mm, sauce. Okay. Uh, uh, Hassan Haskins. Hassan's batons. He manufactures batons for like the Olympics. Oh, like police batons? No, like like ones that you like <laughs> pass to people. Oh, like running. running batons. Yes, running okay. batons. All right, uh, Blake Corum. Corum's curbside coffee. I could see him having a nice little coffee. You know, mm. getting away from the game, having a nice little coffee shop. He maybe could you know make some muffins. You know, some pastries. Can I counter that? Yes. He teaches uh, children how to act properly, and it's 
Decorum's Decorum. Oh, mm-hmm. very nice. Decorum's I like score. that a lot. Yep. The audience likes it too. <laughs> All right. Um, next, this is Cornelius Johnson. This one is called The Cornelius Helium Dream. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's like, have you ever heard of uh, Meow Wolf? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Just okay. a big old it's weird just, thing. It's just an art installation. Yeah, it's just a weird art installation. <laughs> it's called the Cornelius Helium Dream. He charges for it. All right, next is uh, Mozzie Smith. Mozzie's Maseratis. That one's easy. He sells oh, cars. nice. And then last here, David Ojabo. Ojabo's avocado. Uh, excuse me. This is hard to say. <laughs> Ojabo's avocado aficionados. And what it is, it's an online subscription service where you get avocados sent to your house mm. and for the gold level so that's a silver level okay you get avocados or the maize level the maize level Ooh, hey, yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 top level would be signed avocados oh so david ojabo signing the avocados if you're a member of the ojabo's avocado aficionados group See, i feel like if you're a avocado aficionado your whole business model should be I only pick good ones. I only pick winners. Oh, okay. Because I have trouble personally picking winners. I'm I, I'm Me too. batting like, you know, 600 on my avocado selection. It's hard to pick a good avocado. Yeah, Let me tell you time something. it right, too. Blueberries as well. I like blueberries mm. that are actually uh, whiter on the inside. You know, I don't trust a blueberry that's actually blue. But how do you that's know g- if it's white on the inside? Just like Kramer and Seinfeld. He only eats plums that are red on the inside. That's right. Well, how do you know what it looks like? What does it look like on the outside? Yeah. Hey. That's a good point. I like that. Now, so like remember, when you're okay. when you're picking your blueberries, they can't be blue on the inside. Yep. Otherwise, you've gotten a bad batch. Okay. I love it. Well, we're both on Michigan, <laughs> and hopefully those Michigan players sign some NIL deals for those businesses yes. very soon. McNamara's Marinara. Last but certainly not least, the biggest game of the weekend, frankly, Big is one. the SEC championship game. This game is in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Look. Right now, we've got Georgia a six and a half point favorite over Alabama. This line opened at like three and a half, and it jumped up to six and a half very quickly. Um, this is fascinating to me, this game. You know, Nick Saban is undefeated against his former assistants. He's never lost. And I think Georgia's going to win this game. They've been my pick to win the national championship since before the season started. They were my pick to win the SEC. You know, I think he's going to be the first former assistant to take down Nick Saban. But can he cover? Is he going to win by a touchdown? I mean, we look at Bama, and frankly, they've struggled to run the ball against teams with strong defensive fronts. And the one thing we know about Georgia is their front seven. I mean, frankly, their whole defense is insane. The most points they've given up all year was 17 to Tennessee, and Tennessee looked like incredible doing that in the, like, in the process. You add to that that Alabama's running back, starting running back Brian Robinson, is out with some sort of a uh, lower body injury, I believe. They only have one scholarship running back that's active for this game against Georgia. That's that's a, a problem, especially when you know you look at the fact that if they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, Alabama has also struggled to protect Bryce Young. And Georgia's defense can tee off at this point if they start stuffing the run, forcing Alabama into third and longs, obvious passing situations. I think Bryce Young could get hurt, frankly. You know, uh, they have... A, Alabama has certainly has super talented offense and defense. There's they're, they're still Alabama, but I, Bryce Young is just a freshman and he hasn't played that many super tough defenses. And the ones that he has, he struggled and they struggled to run the ball. I think that they're they're going into a buzzsaw right now. Um, I think that Alabama has a real chance of actually getting blown out, and that this could be the first like really bad blowout loss that Alabama has had under Nick Saban. 
Um, I think it could be shocking. You know, it, it, it's interesting. This game is in Atlanta. You'd think that'd be a home field advantage for Georgia, but the the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta is basically a home field for Alabama at this point. They've played so many games there. I, th- I like Georgia minus six and a half. I know the number has jumped. I know the public is going to be all over Georgia here, and they're all going to be fading Alabama. It To me, it's just about how good I think Georgia's defense is. I think they're that good. I think Georgia covers the spread six and a half. Georgia is that good. I know how good their defense is, and I know that they are an elite team. You look back the last five years, they're one of the best teams who's played. However, I think Alabama's a little disrespected here. I think six and a half is is value for for the Crimson Tide, a team who has the ability, who has a team, who has the talent, who has the coaching staff to put together a game plan to beat Georgia. Do I think they'll win? Probably not, but six and a half seems like a lot of points for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama won this game. Now, the statistics or the percentages just based on the money line, what it's saying is that Georgia should win this game about 65% of the time. To me, that's too high. I think Alabama wins more than 35% of the time. So I think it's not fair the way we're looking at Alabama. They've got the players. They've got the motivation. I mean, how often do you get to say, I think the Alabama Tide will surprise the nation and win this game? I want to be on that side. I have a rule. Will, you know one of my rules. I don't bet against Nick Saban. Mm. Well, in a situation like this where I get him as a underdog, where everyone's talking shit, I love this spot. I'll take Alabama. It's a bet board game. Well, and, now, wait uh, a minute. How are we going to do this bet board? Because we already we have, have two bet boards. So we have we have Alabama, Georgia. At, so if Alabama, excuse me, if Georgia wins by four, four you win one, lose one. So it's a wash. It's a wash. All right, fair enough. I'm going to go... Otherwise, you could avoid this all by saying that it's a lean for you and you don't nope. like either way. I'm going to double down. All right. I think Georgia's going to win by a touchdown. I'm going to get two bet board wins in you, one game. You could, if they cover the six and a half, you get two wins in one. I think that Georgia... I think these players are itching to beat Alabama. We know Alabama gets everyone's best shot. That's just the way it works when you're Alabama, when you're on top. I think these players are itching to prove because they haven't played that tough of a schedule and everyone's saying, well, what's going to happen when you play Alabama? I think you could see these Georgia players, if they get up early, look out because things could get nasty. And I think that that even though Kirby Smart coached under Nick Saban, it's not that he's going to want to drive up the score on Nick Saban. It's that he's going to want to drive up the score on Alabama, on big, bad Alabama and show everyone, hey, I'm the favorite to win the national championship. Um I think Georgia's that good, so we're going to double down on the Betport victory. All right. Is that our only one, or did we have two disagreements this That's week? That's the one. Okay. We're, we're both on Houston. We're both on Oklahoma State, Utah, Michigan, Pitt. So that's it. Wow. And it, it could be a, 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 a you know just a wash or a double win for me. There you go. So I love it. Could be a wash or a double. Actually, it could be a double win for you, too. If Alabama wins outright. It's a win for you, Tyler. There we go. So I love it. Uh, double, double down. What a show, man. We covered a lot today. I can't believe that Brian Kelly news, but uh, we'll be back next week, guys. So thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFB underscore pod. Subscribe, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Tell your friends. Help grow the show. We'll see you next week.